0: Yo, what up y'all? It's your man, DR Lewis. Not the third, no Daniel to to make the joke Uh, So just wanted to let y'all know um, This episode's a little different Uh, We talk on um, some very sensitive issues Um, There's not really a fake commercial break this episode Um, We don't start it off with the usual laughs It's not that there's no laughs this episode But we talk about a very deep issue And we talk about some deep issues for a very long time Um, So I encourage you to listen to the the whole pod And uh, give it a chance even though it's a little long uh, Because there is a a lot of... uh, a lot of subjects broached in a very real way and uh i just think if you're someone who's looking to uh listen more and talk a little less it's a, this is a good opportunity to do so uh so you know it's gonna sound a little different because we're doing it on zoom it's our first episode back and we're doing it in a different way the audio might not sound what you're like what you're used to hearing uh but you know just give it a chance keep with it and we'll, we'll try to get better as we go on all right enjoy the pod
1: Guys, guys, guys! Yes, yes.
0: We back.
1: We back, baby. Whoa! No. Someone, don't take my catchphrases. Whoa! Whoa. Do it, man. Yo.
2: You're
3: too long. No. 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 Of course,
2: you, man. Dr. Lewis. Everybody heard. No, Daniel. I thought with all this time off, you would have fixed this. It is not the third, the one and only Dr. Lewis, not the third. As usual, we got the usual suspects, of course. Daniel Davidson, still messing up my name. He's here. Say hello to the people, Daniel. What up? <laughs> Daniel, we're on camera, but it's still an audio format, so I need you to speak as well instead of throwing up peace signs and all that stuff. Nah. Can you know hear I me? Mean? Nah. nah. I did hear you. You did speak eventually. is in the building. Brazina. Okay,
4: thanks. Oh, <laughs> you all just gonna throw a peace signs or y'all just gonna y'all just gonna mess with me? Love and peace, man, That's what we need. Love and peace. <laughs> and like, the actual
2: third is also here. Today Blanco returns. Oh, two peace signs. Yeah. Both barrels. <laughs> <laughs> of course being Poppy returns as well. Terrell Huff. Yes,
5: sir. Yes, sir. Get my kids in the act. Oh. <laughs> we, saw, we saw that your kids are now more famous than we are as well. The whole Huff family is more famous than us. So uh, maybe that get some shine on the Try to chase that paper, homie. Trying, trying to chase that paper, homie.
4: And the genetic, Joe. It's all the genetics. <laughs>
5: So we've been gone for a while but
2: we're trying to get back in your ears, trying to get back in your mind and there's a there's been a lot to chew on um a lot of stuff going on in the world a lot of a lot of bad stuff some good stuff and so we're gonna we're gonna talk about that some of it filtered through sports some of it not filtered through sports um before we even tell you what the topic is though we're gonna do what we always do and throw it to terrell for terrell's first take uh we're not gonna tell you what he's talking about. He's just gonna he's just gonna go because that's what he does. He talks about things before they're ready ready to th- to go. So Terrell, the oh,
3: dome, oh, the dome. He's on my top left, so I'm throwing
5: it to Sponsored by oh, <laughs> We're throwing to Terrell. Get him, get him. Oh, deep game, yo. Hey, I need y'all to listen to me right now. All you cats in NFL, politicians, whoever you are, specifically these sports figures. Let me let me, let me hit you to something right quick. It's not 2016 anymore. It's 2020. Things are going on right now. People are not accepting these BS takes and these BS excuses that y'all got for not supporting the cause, man. Bottom line is, if you're not ready to say Black Lives Matter, if you're not ready, I ain't even saying you gotta be out there marching. If you ain't ready to say Black Lives Matter, if you ain't ready to sit down and have conversations with your black teammates, friends, family members, everybody that you know. If you're not ready to sit down and have a conversation that doesn't start off with I this or I that or I this, and you can't just sit down and say, hey, tell me what your perspective is. And listen, if y'all not ready to start doing that, don't go on TV and be doing interviews. Don't go on podcasts and be talking out your ass. Please stop doing this stuff, man, because... We didn't have to basically flame. And cancel culture don't need no more victims than they already got right now, especially <laughs> right now. We didn't already had to claim Drew Brees. He's on the grill right now. Um, cops is on the grill right now. Um, we got politicians on the grill right now. Uh, we got a lot of people. Huh? well Big, Big, Vangio. Hey, Big Vangio used to be one of my favorite coaches. He on the grill right now. I mean, I'm hearing things about like Kirk Ferentz and like I don't even know nothing about <laughs> Iowa football, but he on the grill right now. It's a lot of people on the grill right now and guess what? We ain't got that much room left. So all you people that's sitting there right now, even the, not just white people, black folks too, Latinos anybody that's sitting there right now and thinking that you're going to try to give an answer to a question about what's going on right now and you try not to hurt one side or the other or you don't want to alienate somebody or you don't want to mess with an endorsement or you don't want to do this or the other thing just decline the interview because bottom line is is you would much rather have people think you're not an ally or maybe be curious about whether you're an ally or maybe be curious about whether you you own the team than to just open your mouth and say something dumb and everybody know you're not on the team. And then you gotta give apologies and your wife gotta give apologies. And everybody gotta come out and talk about what's on my heart and I didn't mean what I said and what I, say, what I said was perceived a certain way, but that's not how, we tired of hearing all that. So bottom line is, please, please, please think about what you're gonna say. That's all I gotta say. That's just my little public service announcement to some of you sports figures that will probably never hear any of this. <laughs> but please do that, bro, because it's really, really getting super crowded on the grill right now. It's already a lot of cats getting roasted already, man. We don't need more. Hand your business. And, and you can tell, you can tell
2: Terrell was very serious about that because he got very, very close to the camera and continued to get right here, to the son.
3: Yeah, yeah. My my personal favorite, my personal favorite is when he would fool Kevin Harden. He's like, Help me. (laughs) He's gonna get up at the camera himself. Hey! Help me.
2: There's a lot of hand
1: motions,
2: bruh. That may or may not be seen. Uh, so Terrell with the Terrell's first take, sponsored by JT Charters, uh, official charters of the Memphis Grizzlies. And now that Terrell has given his first take. Uh, we'll introduce you to the topic a little bit. We're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna go over the Drew Brees comments, what he said um, about the movement, about what's going on um, as protests break out all over the nation. Uh, of course, after the uh, tr- uh, tragic murder of George Floyd, uh, protests have swept over the nation, and everyone has some stuff to say about it. The NFL has uh, come to the forefront because of their previous stance on the Black Lives Matter and the and the police brutality protests that broke out in their sport. Uh, since uh, the 2015 season uh, led by Colin Kaepernick. And so they released a statement. Drew Brees has been releasing statements all over the place. He has about four or five statements. His wife's had a statement. Uh, so now that I've introduced you to the topic, we are going to send it over to Trey Blanco as he tries to spin off his podcast further on my on my podcast,
1: on our podcast. Hey, he's got the setup.
2: Trey Blanco's second take.
1: All right, all right. So, Wait, wait, wait,
3: not the third. Oh, okay. Hmm. Not the third. The second.
2: <laughs> well,
4: I mean, well, he's the third? <laughs> yeah. was no, fucking go
1: ahead.
4: Right, they started that up for you. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I'm just telling you when you get your show, Ed. You know what to do. I-, I got you. I got you.
1: So he is the 2006 Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year. He is a two-time okay. Offensive Player of the Year. He is a one-time, one time, one, one time All-Pro. He we is a 13-time Pro Bowler. He is a one-time Super Bowl MVP and a one-time Super Bowl champion. And he is the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. He rescued New Orleans after tragic Katrina. He was there to bring a Super Bowl to the city that much needed it. He was there to back the people up because they needed the, the build-up from Katrina. Tragic, tragic Katrina. But yet, your quarterback, Drew Master Breeze, failed. <laughs> failed, failed, failed at his one opportunity to stand up for his city. Yet again, the true opportunity to stand up for his city, he had failed. So many people have backed that boy up from coming from San Diego. I think he was left behind in San Diego. They backed him up when they brought him to New Orleans. And they, New Orleans embraced Drew Breeze. And Drew Breeze spat in their face in his comments. So yes, i have called out all the people who watch this on YouTube. This is on Spotify and whatever else we're going to broadcast this podcast. If he's on your fantasy team, you ain't on my team. Drew Brees should not be on nobody's fantasy team. Drew Brees should retire. I'm on Shannon Sharp's bandwagon of Drew Brees retiring.
4: He does not deserve. What? Let him cook, D, let him cook. cook.
1: The The grill's going. The grill's going. He does not deserve to be in this NFL. He just, and I was excited. I was excited when I saw Drew Brees. I was excited. I was excited. I was, excited. I was like, "Drew Brees is about to have my back." Because I, because Brees, Drew Brees is my <laughs> boy. I backed Drew Brees. But then he said what he said. Then you saw what he, you saw what he said, and he stood by it. And yet Trump, and when Trump, what even he made it worse? Trump backed him, up. and that Trump, President Donald Trump, backed him up. If Donald Trump is your backup, you still failing, son. Tell and him so, why you're mad, son. <laughs> so, and then he said he says out his apology, which wasn't an apology. It was a picture. It was a picture. It wasn't even a cool picture. It wasn't like the picture of uh, Sylvester Stallone <laughs> racing the other guy. It wasn't that. It wasn't that. It was a handshake. Nah, we don't want no handshake, Drew. We open, open our arms, bro. We want the hug. We want some love, man. That's what we want. But nah. Nah. And then, because we backlash you even more. Backlash you even more. You want to say a posse, a po- apology, a written apology. Probably by I your madam I get it. That's <laughs> cool. That's cool. But yet, yeah, I don't accept it. I don't accept it. And so your teammates may accept you. That's cool. I don't think Malcolm Jenkins does. You will see what Malcolm Jenkins does <laughs> come season. We'll see what happens during the practice time when the quarterback ain't supposed to get hit. How many times Drew Brees gonna get hit? <laughs> I'm just saying. Malcolm Jenkins is broke. bro. And I. And I I respect Michael, Michael Thomas too. Michael Thomas said, "I forgive him." That's my quarterback, and I respect that. But I don't have to forgive him at this moment. I probably will forgive him later on, but he still won't be on my team. I currently have Drew Brees on my team. He's gonna be dropped once the season starts. And I'm telling you, if Drew Brees is not at zero percent on anybody's team by the beginning of fantasy football, all y'all failed. That's all I gotta say.
3: Hey, that's trade him. Don't don't drop him, man. Trade him.
1: Yeah, all got right. this <laughs> nah, nah.
3: Yeah. He don't. He do like, right, just,
1: just yeah can't
5: trade him. You shouldn't be able to trade him nobody. You can find one Why you got to take him. Hey, I'm looking for the most racist dude in my league.
4: <laughs> <laughs> That'll be pointing him out. Whoever takes that trade is like, all,
5: or a, all right. Or a <laughs> suspect one. At least the one where you kind of like, I don't know. So that was Trey Blanco's third
0: take.
4: With sponsored. That playing
0: sponsored by Target, because he's wearing a Target shirt. <laughs>
1: Hey, we Target really sponsor this podcast. So.
5: Target going to call us like, hey, hey. I like, was like,
4: hey. hey no, no. <laughs> we're, not, we're, not, we're not sponsored by Target. <laughs> yeah, I was like, come on, man. <laughs> uh, Target,
0: Target don't need no problems from us. You know, our, 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 our...
4: Hey, Target
1: got our back, bro. I got that later on for sure. I got that later on. <laughs> uh, now, it, the now...
4: <laughs> the
3: <laughs> I also like how Ed asked for, like, where, where are we going to post all these videos. So he's like, can you give me that whole supply chain for when I start mine? <laughs> uh, <laughs> like,
4: like... that may be.
3: <laughs> so uh,
2: you heard Ed set flame to Drew Brees and his entire tenure with the New Orleans Saints Woo! and such. Um, so what did Drew Brees do? So early in the week, Drew Brees said, uh, when asked about – what was going on with the protests in America. He said, I will never agree with anybody respecting the flag of the United States of America or our country. When I look at the flag of the United States, I envision my two grandfathers who fought for this country during World War II, one in the Army and one in the Marine Corps, both risking their lives to protect our country. Um, And so he said that and immediately
3: he cut hands. Because he
2: forgot uh, that it
5: was black dudes serving right alongside his grandpappies.
3: The yeah. Time. yeah. And to what Terrell kind of touched on earlier when he was saying there's no more room left on the grill, that's basically what happened. Like, people are tired of having to explain it. So when Drew shut up and Drew piped up, everybody's like, shut the fuck up. That was it. That was the end of it. They're like, we don't want to hear it.
2: Oh, What's, what's interesting about this particular uh, – about Drew Brees being the one who said this is that these aren't different uh, thoughts than what he had in 2016, as Terrell kind of alluded to. He didn't name Brees, but that's basically who he was talking about when he said having 2016 opinions in 2020 – because uh, back in 2016, Drew Brees had this to say about uh, then when Colin Kaepernick and his movement had started up, he said, I disagree. I wholeheartedly disagree. Not that he wants to speak out about a very important issue. No, he can speak out about a very important issue. But there's plenty of other ways that you can do that in a peaceful manner that doesn't involve being disrespectful to the American flag. The great thing about this country is that we have the freedoms that allow you to speak out openly about any issue. So I'm not commenting on the issue itself because any person that has has the right to speak out on any issue they want that's the great thing about being in America. But the American flag is what represents those freedoms. It represents the very freedom that Colin Kaepernick gets the opportunity to exercise by speaking out his opinion in a peaceful manner about the issue. Like it's an oxymoron that you're sitting down disrespecting that flag that has given you freedom to speak out. Um, and he went on to say more stuff in that vein, but that's the gist of what he said in 2016, which actually, to me, was even more annoying because he doesn't ever speak about the issue that Colin Kaepernick is protesting. He just kind of glides around it and calls it and and calls it an issue and says he has the right to speak about it well he is speaking about it and you don't even seem to know what he's speaking about or if you do you don't care to bring it up because there's a reason he's kneeling during during the national anthem and you're not addressing that you're just talking about what it means to you and the flag and so the, just the the privilege in, in that actually strikes you a bit more than even what he said this this coming this past week and so I had already, I'd already, as I was covering the Seahawks during that time, I was covering the national, the uh, police brutality protests and all that kind of stuff. So I'd heard these quotes back in the day, and I was already kind of like, all right, Drew Brees, I'm kind of, I'm kind of done with you. Um, I didn't do, I think not hard as that because he's on my fantasy team this last year. But I, I you know, as a, some, as thinking that Drew Brees is this kind of. Uh, Ambassador in New Orleans, I was kind of done with that even back in 2016 just based on, you know, he doesn't have the back of his, his constituency as, as Ed basically articulately uh, pointed out, and it's been like that for a while. This isn't new. This wasn't something that popped out of nowhere. Um, he has a history of this. Um, and so that's where that's kind of where I came out on it, uh, just based on knowing what he had said previously. And I think I honestly think his previous comments are a little worse than this last week. It just happened to be that the culture has shifted. And so Drew Brees kind of got caught uh, with the rules changing. And thank God, because I'm so happy he got caught. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy that we live in a, we're starting to shift where we can see that this is saying that kind of big pain the fence, as Daniel said, um, we're no longer about that. Um, you either you get on board or you get off. Right. And so, uh, that's, that's basically the corner Drew Brees found himself in.
4: Well, no. Kind of, <laughs> that um, Terrell said earlier during his first take. Uh, I know he had mentioned that, you know, if you're not down for Black Lives Matter, then don't do the interview and just, you know, stay quiet or whatever. I think I think in our current climate right now, that's not acceptable there. Like now they're going to people saying, what is your stance on this? I don't want you to say, well, no comment or I don't want to talk about it. It's like, no, you have to have a stance on it and let me know what it is. So if you don't do an interview, if you don't give a stance, then that kind of puts you on that other side because, you know, from, from that fact, then either you don't get it or apparently you don't care, or something. Because, I mean, seeing a video like that of someone getting murdered on 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 you know on the screen has to make somebody feel something, right? So it's like, you have no nothing to say about that? Like, no comment at all? So that's why I feel like it's not just, you can't just be quiet. Like now, if you're a public figure, which Drew Brees, who Drew Brees is, you know, like they said, he's like the face of, of course, the Saints, he's a big figure in New Orleans, then yeah, they're gonna go to to get your take on stuff because that's what it is when you're in that place of power. It comes with certain responsibilities, and part of that is addressing certain issues, social issues, and such. So yeah, you're gonna have to give your take, and you better have been paying attention or or not. Then you're gonna you're gonna get called out and get put on on edge grill. So <laughs> <laughs> go. <laughs> it's a
3: big ass grill.
4: <laughs> but no, you're right. I mean, you're exactly right.
3: Oh, I'm sorry, sorry. I was gonna say you're right. Though like about the last few days, I've looked up a lot of people on Google, like political stance because i was curious i'm like well who, who is actually like and just earlier today i was kind of thinking to myself i'm like what does tim duncan think about this just as like an aside i was like i would hate to find out some bullshit <laughs> like like yeah. people that i i really like but anyways uh one that i looked up personally was like dolly parton because i was thinking about country music and everything and how, how typically that's a uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know i was just curious i was like what do you have to say about it and a lot of people don't have comments so you kind of like
4: well, what yeah. do you think about that that's telling by itself, though, isn't, it? isn't yeah. it? Well, the
3: Dolly Parton one, just to clarify real quick, because I don't want to throw no shade on Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton has publicly said that she refuses to get into any kind of politics, but she has publicly said that she does not like Donald Trump and that we all need to pray for that man. So just real quick to get that out the way, that's about our strongest <laughs> sense you words, can take.
5: bless his heart.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah,
3: that's about our strongest bless sense you can take. But,
5: yeah. but, like, the funny thing is, is to me, is, is you know, first of all, we you know, I, I keep talking about the grill. The NFL is the main course, all right? We got, there's a, there's a few pieces of corn off to the side and we got a couple of shrimp kebabs, but let's be clear. Like he's right there next to the NFL because bottom line is you can't not give a more nuanced answer to anything regarding what's going on right now. When you consider what the NFL did. And, and the sad thing is, is like, it's sort of been overshadowed what, goodell said the other day mostly because one people think he's full of shit the other part of it is is that it's been overshadowed because it's like both of you in my opinion breeze and goodell slash the nfl both of them should have said that man's name both of them because bottom line is both of you Continue to push this, you know, there's the legacy, the the NFL, and we have this this, this fan base, and that fan base isn't going to tolerate anything that looks like a lack of patriotism. And then you carry that over to Drew Brees, and he's essentially towing that exact same line. Almost to the extent that you think somebody said, "Hey, Drew, you're one of the biggest, you know, names in the league. We're gonna need you to toe this line for us because you're you carry a lot more weight oh, than I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> Ed's grill, baby. Huh? <laughs> ed, a Look at of- right Ed.
2: Of-
3: <laughs> okay, here, what do you see? Oh, you have it on. Put it on a tile view instead of a. Yeah, yeah, the the right, so you know.
5: but, like, ed got a little oh. picture of a grill behind him now because you know you <laughs> <laughs> like, really, though, <laughs> like. Please with himself. But like to me, it was so annoying because it was almost like they had a conversation and it was like, okay, these are the talking points. So we're gonna give Tom Brady, we're gonna give you these talking points. And then, hey Drew, we're gonna give you these talking points. And then, oh, hey, Aaron Rodgers, we're gonna give you those talking points. Aaron was like, Fuck y'all, <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's, Aaron was like, nah, bro. this 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 is messed up. Like, I'm not getting no. <laughs> and so when you look at those three quote unquote poster boys, two of them kind of rolled with it, including one that had a Make America Great Again hat behind him in a locker room while he was doing the interview, but we already know what's up with that. But Breeze, basically, it was almost like he latched onto them. He went into a time capsule, and he came out four years later in the middle of all this stuff and was like, hey, I, I, could, I could still just use that same line that I did back in 2016, right? I, I could just, could I just roll with that? Okay, cool. And then he just rolled with it, and it's like, nah, bro, you've got to say more. Because bottom line is, if you want to say that I've got a fan base that either I agree with or whatever, and I feel this way, hey, it's called nuance. Add a little something more to it. Guess what? The Tuskegee Airmen served in World War II, too. And when they came home, they got spat on. When they came home, they didn't get the benefits that your grandpappy's got. When they came home, uh, some of them got lynched. And guess what? We're seeing it in the street right now. So how about you go back in your bathroom, figure out a better thing to say, and then bring your butt back out here and say something else. And that's pretty much essentially what we got because he came out and he did his little Instagram message and then he kind of apologized. He still tried to pull that, I apologize that what I said was perceived XYZ, which is bullshit anyway, but still he came out and he attempted it. And then his wife came up and came out and cleaned the whole thing up. What yesterday or whatever it was, she, or earlier today, she mm-hmm. came out and cleaned everything up and did basically what he should have did. And there was actually, I felt like even just reading it, it felt like there was more sincerity and sincerity in what she said when she didn't have to say it, which is so, the funny to, part. So to
3: tie into that real quick. My next question is cause, especially cause we're harping on Drew Brees right now. Uh, in terms of Drew Brees' apology, in terms of his wife's apology, and then in terms of Roger Goodell's apology, what do y'all find sincere or not sincere about it? Because personally, I don't really like Drew Brees' initial apology, but I really did appreciate the fact that he added the president, which to me was like one of those, okay, well, at least he's drawn some attention to what he's saying right now.
5: And it was in response. It was a response to to something that, that the president did say in regards to he shouldn't have apologized which to me was about the <laughs> I just saw the grill <laughs> uh, to, uh, I hadn't seen it yet uh so <laughs> the fact that he said and that's the thing don't don't try to put me on blast i'm already i'm already on the grill to begin with okay first of all i'm i'm there to begin with so and trump is the charcoal so it's like to me i'm like don't come out and at me and if you tell me like, "Oh, you shouldn't apologize," like, "Nah, bro, what I said was wrong," and well, I realized what I said was wrong. <laughs> and so this is what I'm gonna do. You could take my apology, and whether you feel like it's good or not, that's fine. But the bottom line is, don't come at me. So he felt like he had to go back, and the mean, and the reason was is because. And then I think about this: if we're not in the middle of everything that we're in the middle of, and all this wildness between coronavirus and the, and and the marching. And the riots and everything, whatever you know, the, the protests. If we're not in the middle of all this, does he really go back at Trump like that? Does he? I, mean, I don't well, think he does.
2: Let's let's pause for a second because we're talking about things and we haven't informed the listener on what we're talking about. Because uh, Drew Brees, after he made that initial statement, he made multiple attempts at apology. Um, he tweeted at President Trump, sent some letter to President Trump via via social media. His wife apologized. So the initial apology from Drew Brees goes as such. I'd like to apologize to my friends, teammates, the city of New Orleans, the black community, NFL community, and anyone I hurt with my comments yesterday. And speaking with some of you, it breaks my heart to know the pain I've caused. In an attempt to talk about respect, unity, and solidarity centered around the American flag, the national anthem, I made comments that were insensitive and completely missed the mark on the issues we are facing right now as a country. They lacked awareness and any type of comp- compassion or empathy. Instead, those words have become divisive and hurtful and have misled led people into believing that somehow I am the enemy. This could not be further from the truth and is not an accurate reflection of my heart or my character. This is where I stand. I stand with the Black community in the fighting against systematic racial injustice and police brutality and support the creation of real policy change that will make a difference. I condemn the years of oppression that have taken place throughout our Black communities and still exist today. I acknowledge that we as Americans, including myself, have not done enough to fight for that equality or to truly understand the struggle and plight of the Black community. I recognize that I am part of the solution and can be a leader for the Black community in this movement. I will never know what it's like to be a Black man or raise Black children in America, but I will work every day to put myself in those shoes and fight for what is right. I've always been an ally, never an enemy. I am sick about the way my comments were perceived yesterday, but I take full responsibility and accountability. I recognize that I should do less talking and more listening, and when the Black community is talking about their pain, we all need to listen. For that, I am very sorry and ask for forgiveness. Um, and then his wife has also issued an apology. Um, she said, uh, basically, she said, we are the problem. I write this with tears in my eyes and I hope you all hear our hearts. I have read these quotes and scriptures 1,000 times and every time I read it and the words sink into my heart, I think, yes, this is what it's all about. Only until the last few days until we experienced the death, we experience the hate that I realized that these words were speaking directly to us. How could anyone who knows us or has had interactions with us think that Drew or I have a racist bone in our body? But the whole point, Somehow we as white America, we can feel good about not being racist, feel good about loving one another as God loves us. We can feel good about educating our children about the horrors of slavery and history. We can read books to our children about Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Hank Aaron, Barack Obama, Rosa Parks, Harriet Tubman, and feel like we're doing our part to raise our children to love, be unbiased, and with no prejudice to teach them about all of the African-Americans that have fought for and risked their lives against racial injustice. Somehow as white Americans, we feel like that checks the boxes of doing the right thing. Not until this week did Drew and I realize that this is the problem. To say I don't agree with disrespecting the flag, I now understand that also saying I don't understand what the problem really is. I don't understand what you're fighting for and I'm not willing to hear you because of our preconceived notions of what the flag meant to us. That's the problem. We are not listening. White America is not hearing. We are not actively looking for racial prejudice we have heard stories from men and women we have known and loved for years about the racism that occurred in their lives, stories that were never shared or talked about because somehow they were considered normal. To all of our friends and anyone we hurt, we will do better. We want to do better. We want to hear you, and we will fight for you because thinking we are not part of the problem is checking the box. Is, it means we are not doing enough. It's our job to educate ourselves. We are sorry. And so that's those were both their statements. And then Drew Brees goes into a back and forth with Donald Trump, where Donald Trump says Drew Brees shouldn't apologize. Basically, Drew was like, hey, man, I've come to understand that it's, this was never about the flag um, and we need to make some real changes and, and things of that nature. So that's kind of the I'm not going to read the whole back and forth of him and Donald Trump. You can go kind of find that on yourself. But now you are kind of caught up on where the apology is. And, uh, you know, we can kind of go into what the apologies mean, because frankly, I, they're trying, right? And so you want to give them points for trying. They, they clearly
3: are making an effort. I like... And, <laughs> and, and it's like, no, I'm sorry, but it was like, nah. nah.
2: <laughs> I, I, I want The White's apology is a little better. It's still both their apologies are tinged with making it about them.
4: Yeah.
5: Uh,
2: making it about their pain, making it about how they're being perceived. Drew Brees even goes in and says... I, "Uh, What's my perceived is yeah. yeah. And I I'm not the enemy. I was never the enemy. Well, man, when you're not really understanding the problem, that makes you the enemy, man. So you can't really sit here and say, I've never been the enemy. Clearly, in some ways, you've been hindering progress. Right. And you need to acknowledge that. And there wasn't, to me, enough of that, especially in Drew Brees' statement. But again, they are trying. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard for me because, like I said, this isn't some opinion they formed on the fly. This has been the opinion for a long time. You had the opportunity to lead on this and you 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 missed mark And now you kind of want to say, I can be a leader in the black community. Well, no, you can't. You had that chance and you you messed it up. So you need to do more listening, which is why I like what she said at the end, because she kind of brings it back to, we haven't been listening enough. We need to do more listening. Drew Brees really never hit that, that, that note in his apology. He still seems more like, hey, I can, you know, I can lead this charge and I I I've, I've always been on your side and it's like well no no Drew you, you haven't always been on our side that that was made clear. You made that clear twice over the last
4: 4 well, years, years if not more. I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. I would say he thought he was on our side. He was a leader from what his own notion of being a leader for people is. Right. But what you what he found out recently is that no the way that you're thinking, the way you're acting that's actually not helping us at all. It's actually hurting us now. Mm. So that's why I kind of um, like like a, a quote that she said in, in her her, uh, her statement and stuff about you know them kind of trying to figure out that they were the problem. Because the reason why they got to that point or the reason why they were the way they were before is because of willful ignorance. So I don't think either of them are racist or anything like that, but they had their stance on the flag. They know how other people felt about the flag, but they didn't really take the time to go out and learn about other people's point of views or why they – feel that way about you know kneeling all that kind of stuff too um droopers probably was like uh surprised by the backlash and stuff because he probably never thought about how his black teammates are feeling about things that are going on as well like he probably doesn't know how much it affected them how personal yeah. it is how important it is to them that's why it's like oh well you know i'm always you know friends with everybody and you know, i just love all people or whatever but it's like no it, it's bigger than that and th- the fact that you just won't take the effort to actually fully understand the other side of what we're coming from is actually doing more damage to us than what you really think. Mm-hmm. But now he's feeling that because of all that backlash. So that's why I feel it, it, it does make sense that they're kind of t- talking about how they feel about this, the situation is because yeah, the problem was them and how they felt, but only since they got all this venom and backlash and everything, they kind of had to now look inside to see, okay, well, what really is going on? Why people were turning me like this? And now they're starting to see it, I think. Well so I think problem, that you are turning the corner.
2: So and I get that. I'm not saying that's not valid, and I'm not saying that obviously we want change. So however you can come about change, that's important. At the same time, what hurts still, even through their apologies, it shows a lack of empathy, right? You could only understand this issue. You you aren't willing to open up your ears and listen, because it's not like this is we're not saying new things. These are things that are out there. He's been in a black locker room for four for his entire career. He, these these are things that were out here if you were willing to open up your ears and listen to the other side, but they they have not been as. as you said. And that just shows not only when the, you know it the stakes were raised for them were they able to understand and see the the empathy that was needed, and so that that still hurts. It's still hard to get past, and I, I'm not saying that invalidates what you were saying there, because what you, what you said makes sense and what they say makes sense. It just, it's just still it still hurts to hear that language, and it, maybe that's the only way we can get the apology. But it's, it hurts to see that language couched in so still much, still so much "we, we, we." I mean, "us, us, us." When it really needs to be about about the people you hurt. I didn't feel enough, I, and that's why I said I like her apology better because I do feel I hear a lot more about that from her than him. His apology, I still feel well, like his. his he
4: probably had, he probably had like a pub just helping with his. So yeah, hers yeah. probably did all by on her own. That's why I worked Yeah, with you her could tell hers her was, was pretty
5: straightforward. Yeah, <laughs> it was her. Yeah. Um, so. I, I will say this though. What I got out of this situation, and it's interesting because it was almost like when he first said his initial statement, it really felt like when all his teammates started chiming in on Twitter and whatnot, it really felt like that's basically what everybody in America is going through right now. If you're a black person and you have white friends that unfortunately are very similar, and I think we may all know that person. Um, it's not Austin though, um, and uh, it's like. Oh, but
3: I know it's.
5: <laughs> oh, but I know a ton. No, it's. not. But um, when you think about it in America, it's like a lot of black folks have that friend or a group of friends that really don't get it, and they really do have a similar to response to what Drew Brees had. And we saw it playing out, but we saw it playing out on social media and everything. And we saw it kind of affect him. You, we can argue about whether or not it was sincere. We can argue about whether or not he really, really did see quote, see the light, or if it was just one of those things where it was like, holy crap, I'm getting flamed, I'm roasting, I need to do something. Um, hmm. The bottom line is we saw a conversation play out that really, if it hasn't already, needs to play out with every person across the country that is an African-American that has white friends or friends or just other friends that maybe don't understand this situation and how. Ed, I want to, yeah, I'm sorry.
3: I was going to say, Ed, I want you, I want to let you cook, but I want to real quick touch on one thing about the language of it. Cause I know you got, you got some stuff to say on that. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, Real quick. I want to touch on the language, two things in particular. One, we already said it, but I know that, that we feel like hers is more sincere for me. She won me over at least in the apology department when she said we are the problem. Because yeah. that's a very that's a that's a me statement that's mm-hmm. taking ownership of what's going on. And I was like, you know, what, that's cool. I respect that part of it. I, um, it. I, I don't know for sure how much of it's sincere or not. I think I have to at least give them the benefit of the doubt in the sense that to us, at least it make it's so easy. Like it's it's common sense. Like this is this is, like, not a, like, oh, uh, it's very nuanced. No, this is night and day. Like, is, is the sky blue? You know, something simple like that. So maybe he did just get it. Maybe he just finally understands what's going on. Right. And I have to give him the benefit of the doubt until I hear otherwise. But I was going to – something that we'll probably touch on later, but I want to touch on something else in the language of hers that, that I've been hearing a lot of lately. She cited specifically uh, – I believe she said MLK, Rosa Parks, and Harriet Tubman when she was yep. talking about it. Those are three of the most popular – white aspects of slavery and, and the only reason i say that is because that's that's still the the white entry point into this conversation mm-hmm. so to me it doesn't show that they really know all that much about it to me it just shows like oh you know what all those stories we learned in history class are are true like to me that that reeks of phoniness but it's not her fault necessarily she just doesn't know anything
5: right. she's that, doing what everybody I, else would yeah yeah.
1: yeah, and that's and that's that's why I kind of felt by Drew Brees apology. He's doing what everyone else would have said in his mistake. You know what I mean? I, I feel like he didn't really reach out to Michael Thomas or Malcolm Jenkins and really talk about, hey, what is it about the what is it? Why isn't the flag Why Why isn't kneeling disrespecting the flag? Like, what is it like? Ask the questions. If you don't know, ask, like, don't. don't and if you're Drew Brees, ask in New Orleans, in New Orleans, Louisiana, ask the questions. They're going to explain it to you. So that's why I don't feel like Drew Brees' apology was sincere because I feel like he still doesn't grasp what the issue is. He right. still. Well, he had focused-
3: five years to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm exactly. saying? But he's still
1: focused on the fact that it's disrespecting of the flag. And it's like if the flag has nothing to do. The flag didn't earn our freedoms. It was the black, white, and and the few Latino, Latinos who were fighting in those wars that got us the freedom. It wasn't the flag. It's like, yeah, we're not disrespecting the flag. And some, in some cultures, and many cultures, shaking the knees and trying to respect at the same time. And so, and even at that, if we're going to go to the national anthem, the national anthem doesn't represent an America either. If you actually listen to the national anthem, but that's another topic for another day. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so, sure, by the way, fuck the NFL taking money that. for the. <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead. But um, that's like I hear what his wife is saying. I could, I could see, I could see how, like, everyone, like you guys said, I could see where her sincerity of it. But if Drew Brees would have said that. Then I can say, all right, you get it. I still don't believe he gets it. I honestly don't. I honestly don't. He doesn't. He doesn't get it. Roger Goodell. I I feel like he doesn't get it either. And so there's a whole lot. And there is not just the NFL aspect, like Austin said, and like Terrell said. There's people in our lives that don't get it. And um, I had, to, I had a conversation on Facebook uh, Messenger about with someone who didn't get it, and I explained to him, "Hey, it's not about the flag. It's not about the military. It's about how we're treat, how our people are treated unjustly by brutality." By their own citizens, our fellow citizens that were mistreated, and as a, constant, a consistent, consistent basis of, mistreat, of mistreatment towards us, and I, and and she still didn't get it. I said, I said it to this way. I was like, "What if it was me who got killed? How would you feel?" She goes, "Oh, I get it. It's like that's you we have to get to make it personal sometimes. It's sad that we have to make it personal when we explain it to people right. that if it was myself, Terrell, Derek, or Daniel, if it was us, how would you feel in that matter?" It's like, you should feel the same. And so um, I said it earlier. I was like, when you see, you saw the man, you, we all saw that man die. We right. all saw George Floyd die. We saw him take his last breath. We saw them pick up a lifeless body and put it on a gurney. We all saw it. And we all saw the reaction of the cop when he died. Yeah. No, sympathy, no sympathy, no remorse, nothing. And that that, that, should, get you, that should get you burnt up. Black, white, respect should, you should get, you should feel something about that. You should feel something about that. And so, but the fact that it's about on um, black, um, black lives, man. It's like if you don't get it by now, when you'll get it? When are you gonna get it?
2: Well, The interesting thing about it is it feels like and that's why maybe Drew Brees might get a little more benefit of doubt than maybe he would have otherwise is that it feels like there's a lot of people waking up and starting to get it right now. For whatever reason, it feels like there's a lot of people who, like I was saying earlier uh, in a conversation that uh, was off off camera, it was not even with you guys. it feels like some people who were quote unquote woke have now gone to that next step in their allyship where they're doing even more than they were before. And people who were kind of, you would quote say, were unwoke are now kind of waking up to that level of wokeness that our other friends were at. So it feels like everyone's kind of taking a step up in where they were, um, which is, which is the interesting part about the Drew Brees thing, right? Because he went back. (laughs) Drew, Drew Brees, literally the rules changed on Drew Brees. Within five years, and he didn't know it. He doesn't have the awareness to, to adapt and understand that. Yeah, like, like Terrell said, with the 2016 answer in 2020, and so literally, maybe Drew Brees has the same apology if this happens two years ago, and is the black, the, all the the uh, the black athletes around the league come out and and, and flame him. Or maybe not, because maybe there isn't as much pressure uh, from also white people who are also starting to get activated and say, "Hey, this is unacceptable. This thought process is unacceptable. You need to change." Maybe that also tipped it over the scales for Drew Brees to finally kind of get it and understand and see and and at least examine himself and look inward and figure out what needed to what he needed to do and what he needed to think about to talk on this issue uh, more intelligently. Um, And so that's the interesting part is that as the country is starting to seemingly shift on this issue, so then does Drew Brees get caught in that shift and becomes a living, breathing example of what that shift, he gets swept up into that shift, right? And so now, basically, Drew Brees is going to get side-eye from from, from a lot of people. What he has to do is maybe get the act is... What he needs to do is put his, you know, put his money where his mouth is and and slowly rebuild that trust. Uh, I'm not someone who says, hey, man, you changed your mind and you can't change your mind. So we're just going to, you know, banish you to the shadow realm. But you do have to earn that trust back a little bit. And so we'll see what Drew Brees does, um, how he chooses to purport himself. If he gets smarter on the issue, if he does start doing more listening than than talking Um, and you'll have to take it from there and go step by step. Because I don't believe Drew Brees is a bad individual. I don't believe a lot of people who have these bad bad opinions, in my opinion, are bad individuals. Um, But I do think that there is a lack of empathy and a lack of self-awareness and a lack of understanding and willingness to talk through the issue so that they can get the other perspective. Um, And so they only see it through their their very myopic view. Because if you live in an America where everything is hunky-dory and you don't have to fear for the police, then, yeah, the flag can just represent all the nice things about America about the United States. It can just represent the military and all the people who fought and bled for us. But for other people, when it, the flag is a symbol of the country, um, and that country is treating you poorly, it's not going to represent any of that. Um, so that's not to excuse their privilege or to excuse their perspective and their bubble. Um, but you do understand that. Um, where you do understand how that creates a protective bubble around them, and they have to be forced to forced out of it and it seems like this has forced a lot of people out of it and Drew Brees has become a a microcosm of what we're seeing overall in the United States
3: and to that uh I was uh, real quick to that um you're you're right it's I think the frustrating part is the disassociation of like like you've got the side that's pro pro flag whatever you know what I'm trying to say you got the side that's pro flag and they're like how dare you tell me what to think about America all right cool why are you telling them what to think about America? And vice versa. And that disassociation is just frustrating. That's where a lot of this frustration boils over. But specifically, like, something I can speak to, uh, this is probably where I'll throw more shade on Drew Brees than, than is fair, but whatever. Fuck it. He said what he said. <laughs> he, uh, he, he strikes me as, as the kind of the guy that, that's like, he's been approached with this over the last five years, or, or even more than that. He's been approached with this probably his whole life. And his default answer is what a lot of people's default answer is to just kind of roll your eyes and be like, oh, here y'all come fucking talking about race again. And, and that's his default answer to that question. So that's why he hasn't learned anything in 10 years, five years, whatever. Like he hasn't learned anything because his, his default answer is to be like, just shut up. Like I'm tired of hearing about, it. you know, whatever. If that's the way you want to live your life, so be it. But don't be surprised when people get mad at you for that. And to me, that's that's what the, the mark is with Drew Brees right now, that he, he hasn't grown. And now he's paying for it publicly yeah. is what, what's going on with that.
1: That's how I got his apology. It was like a woe is me type of an apology. You know what I mean? Right. And so it was like, you, you don't get it still. You know what I'm It's not about you.
3: And, and real quick, I'm going to take it back. But real quick, the other side of contrition is that if he's truly contrite about this, he truly has contrition to show for this, then he can't dictate when people forgive him. He's just got to keep doing it. And he, yeah. like, he's got to take it. He's got to be out there listening to people call him racist, whatever. Like, maybe that's fair. Maybe that's not fair. But he's going to have to deal with it and continue to push forward. He
1: it has to right. do what Cap did, and, but
5: on the other side of the issue. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly yeah. what Cap did. Cap basically said, I know people are apparently deciding to say I'm unpatriotic. They're deciding to say I'm anti-police and I'm all this stuff. He knew they were saying those things early on. He knew. <laughs> he, he was said, anti-police, though. <laughs> well, well <laughs> and, yeah, that's no, fine. No, and that's fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hell, in Minneapolis, they just defunded their whole police department. So, Or at least they're, they voted to. So my point is, is like, but he knew his stance. And he knew what he was against, and he stuck with it, knowing after a few weeks that it could possibly cost him a career or at least cost him the current job he had. And so to me, when I look at that, and I'm looking at two men on opposite sides of this issue, and what I see, and this is the part where it's like, we could talk about accepting his apology. We could talk about sincerity in that apology. But what I Mm -hmm. see is I see one man that was willing to continue to stand up for what he believed in. And another one that's saying he believes in something only because that's been what he's been spoon fed for probably most of his life. If you just keep on saying how much you love America, if you just talk about the military, if you just talk about loving the cops and you just talk about just apple pie and and, and all these wonderful things. Guess what? Nobody's ever going to be able to attack you. Except for black people, but it's okay because we don't care what they think. And that right there, to me, I'm seeing the two ends of it. And it's like, it's sad to me because if you want to talk about conviction, you want to talk about somebody standing up for something, regardless of what the repercussions might be, you would think that would be the person that would within cap, you would think that would be the person, regardless of how flawed a messenger he may or may not have been, you would have thought that would be the guy that America would get behind and say, yeah, man, you know what? This is what this dude is saying. These things are horrible. They're happening in our country. And this dude was willing to say, hey, I know I'm an NFL quarterback and I've got this platform and I might lose this platform, but I'm still going to stand up for what I believe in. And he's still doing it. Money's still being donated. His camp is still going on. He's still speaking. He's still all these things are still going on with a man that doesn't have the platform that he had before. So to me, when I'm looking at that, I'm sorry, but if I'm going to look at the guy that took, you know, if I'm going to look at the guy that I'm going to get behind more, I'm going to get behind a guy in Kyle Kaepernick. And not just because I'm a 49ers fan, I'm going to get behind that dude because that dude actually sacrificed a lot of things. Mm-hmm. He sacrificed and, more than any person that has not served in the military could ever sacrifice for his people, if you will. So, Speaking of
3: sacrifice, I'm glad that uh, uh, Peter Norman is getting so much recognition now. Like for for like just because people are drumming up the past, it's just pretty cool. The, Peter Norman's the Australian runner that was was yeah. he second or third at the Olympics? I don't remember, but he he was the one that was up there on the podium when they uh put the fist in the air, yeah. and he got. Effectively banned from Australia, everything to the yeah. point where like they came back to him in like the late 2000s and were like, "Hey, we want you to be part of our commercials, but you got to say you're sorry." And he's like, "Fuck y'all."
5: <laughs> so yeah. it's just cool that
3: he's getting attention, but that's a, that's an aside. For
5: Australia people. got their own grill when it comes to race issues, but Ooh, that's another the way show. they treat Aboriginals.
3: Yeah,
4: man. um am sorry. D.
2: No, I was just going to ask you. You seem like you had something to say, so go ahead. <laughs>
4: Yeah, well, one thing I want to touch on for the cap thing though is he actually wasn't just for you know I know I believe I'm gonna stand on it. He actually took in consideration the other point of view or the other side as well. Yeah. For right. example, when you first started protesting, he actually was sitting down. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but he actually took, he took the time out to go talk to a military vet to talk, ask him about you know what should I do? Is this a good thing to do it? And he explained that you know well sitting down might be seem a little bit too offensive and kneeling. <laughs> As in, you know, in the military in your religion in most things is seen as, you know, showing respect to something, right? Yeah. which is why he didn't switch to kneeling. So, this is kind of where Drew Brees would have, t- would have helped him out to take a, a book, a page out of Captain's book by saying, okay, I might believe that, you know, no one should ever kneel in front of the flag, but let me still go out here and talk to the people first, though. Sure. Let me ask them, you know, why are you kneeling? Why do you think he feels okay? Even if he doesn't change his mind about the whole actual act of kneeling, he might actually still understand the reason why they want to protest in the first place Right. In front of during that anthem in front of the flag as well. So him not doing that is kind of what hurts him and has him lose a, quite a bit of credibility in terms of, okay, you don't get it, you don't really care because you never took the time to actually try to learn the other side when you have such a huge platform. And every single day or most days of your life, you're actually in the locker room with, with African-American men obviously feel some type of way about what's going on but you never took the time to actually reach out and talk to them or you know even see what's going on with them even though they're part they're well yeah they're the reason why you are where you're at right now in terms of you know famous millions all that kind of stuff too right and
2: that's the that's kind of the annoying part right is that the answers are around them and they're just choosing not to go seek those answers out and find those answers and what's funny is it shows a lack of even understanding even the most basic part of their own opinion because you, you talk to people about kneeling and they seem to think that kneeling is a sign of disrespect. When, when there is that story out there, Nate Boyer who um, was a former Green Beret who Colin Kaepernick talked to and they had that conversation and moved him from sitting to kneeling. So there was a, a willingness to change and make the protest even more peaceful, which then in turn makes, uh, you know, black Americans and and minorities even angrier because we're always having to walk back the protest even further. And so even, and then when we do that and then you don't even appreciate that we've done that. And so that's, again, that's another thing with this juxtaposition, right? People are seeing, you know, what the protest could be and seeing how they can escalate and the anger that's out there. And if you want to see some of that intellectual rioting, there's still, you know, Writing is a whole different kind of subject that's a little too complicated to get into necessarily. Um, But you see what the anger could turn into, right? And so now all of a sudden Colin Kaepernick kneeling doesn't look as bad to you, right? Or you're saying, hey, we're all for protest, but it needs to be peaceful. Well, no, you're not, because we did we did this for four years, and you seem to not even think about it. You seem to not care. You seem to not only not care. You went the complete opposite way and decided that this was so disrespectful that you didn't even want to listen to our grievances. So it's it's kind of like that MLK and that Malcolm X thing, right? So you you have the carrot and you have the stick. One's throwing up the stick, and then the other's throwing up the carrot, and now you you kind of you're moving back towards where you should be because you you find the carrot a little more palatable, and that's again uh, that's boiling down history to a, little, to a little too much basicness. And I don't really like to do that, especially because it's already done enough in our history books, especially with black history. Um, Malcolm X isn't some radical, angry guy, and MLK isn't just this peaceful St. Dove person, and that's how they're portrayed in the, in the history books. So I don't necessarily want to stand on that, but that you, you get what I'm saying, where there's a, now that there is a bit of a stick, the carrot is starting to look a little more appealing to them and so they're backtracking on where their where their priorities are. And that change again, that changed on the fly on Andrew Brees and he wasn't aware of that change and that's why he finds himself in that in that spot. And it's just annoying because these answers have always been here. Right. right. You could have always the answers. But you chose not to because you were thinking in your own lane and you you didn't want to you didn't want to branch out and as Daniel said and, and, and you know and really just be accountable. Um, yeah. Be accountable to the people, to your friends, to people you claim to love, right? That's when it hurts. When, Michael, Michael Thomas had real hurt in that, in that in, when he called out Drew Brees, because that's his dude. That's why he was, you know, accepted the apology so quickly and was willing to get back on track, because that's one of his dudes. He throws in the football. They have a relationship. And so these people have been around this whole time. Why haven't you been listening to them?
5: That's, that's my point. That's the most maddening thing about this whole situation is you literally have something that many people in rural parts of this country specifically in the South and some in the North and other parts of this country. There's people in rural America that rarely see a person of color except for on TV. They don't have that source right there in front of them nine months out of the year that they can literally just sit down and have a conversation with about this particular subject. You have that. And that's why it's so unacceptable because if he had just taken the time to have a few conversations here and there, even if it's just with fans, I mean, he's in New Orleans for goodness sake. So I mean, even anybody, he never answers that question in that way. I guarantee you if he had sat down with anyone of color, any person of color, a black man, woman, whatever, if he had ever done that and really truly listened, done some of the things that his wife was saying in that apology, I guarantee you he doesn't say that. I would bet anything he never says what he said the other day. And the sad part, and that is what's so crazy, is that you can say accepting what a black man or a woman is telling you about what's going on in America with racism and whatnot, you can say that it'll be hard to understand, or you can say it's gonna take me a while to come on board and get what you're really, really trying to tell me and understand your perspective. That's fine, but, it doesn't take but one good conversation about this subject where you're truly listening to prevent you from making the statement that he made the other day. And that's what's so crazy about this. That's why so many people are unwilling to say, nah, bruh. <laughs> like, they so unwilling to just be like, oh, yeah, you know what? I accept what you're saying. So it's like, I'm not writing the dude off. But at the same time, this is bored. It's like, it, it's the ignorance aspect of it. And that's the part of it that's so bad. It's the ignorance aspect. I'm not expecting you to be a Rhodes Scholar. You're a a quarterback in the NFL. I'm not expecting you to be the smartest guy in the room. I'm not expecting you to, you know, come out here and and, and lead marches. I'm not expecting any of that out of you. I'm expecting you to just understand perspective. And it feels to me like it's like my perspective. If I'm, I'm Drew Brees, my perspective is a perspective that matters. You better not perceive what I'm saying as anything other than just being a patriot. And, you know, that's it. And so, I, I, it, it just, that's the maddening part of this whole thing to me, man.
1: Yeah, and that's, and kind of I, awesome. I, I'm right
5: I'm, I'm right with you on that. And uh,
1: Daniel touched, said the same thing. I was like, if you think about it, Drew Brees upbringing was a sheltered upbringing. You know, he went to Austin Westlake. Oh yeah. Predominantly white area. He went to Purdue, a predominantly white university. And then he goes. Then he goes to New Orleans after being five years in the NFL. So like, so he grew up being where it was okay to be ignorant and ignore the issues. But now, once you go to New Orleans, when did you go to New Orleans, man, there's like, there's a time for you to learn. And so he had, he's had the opportunity to learn, and he had and he had he just did it. So the fact that he chose to be ignorant and he's not even acknowledging the fact that he chose to be ignorant that's what really makes makes me upset. And so if he said, you know what?
5: Well, no, I was going to say, New Orleans, Louisiana changes black people. That's who, yes. <laughs> New Orleans, Louisiana changes black people, bro. It's always like a rite of passage. Like, yo, have you been to New Orleans? Nah, bro, you got to get to New Orleans, bro. bro like, black people change when they go to New Orleans, Louisiana. Like, I've never been to New Orleans, but I guarantee you if I go, when I come back, like I'm not gonna be the same black man. Yeah, I, I could touch. I could touch on that. I could touch
1: on that. Um, but like he chose to be. He chose to be ignorant, and he still. And once he acknowledges that he chose to be ignorant, maybe then I would. I will be okay with what he said. But to touch Terrell's point about it, you change once you go to New Orleans. Um, when my brother graduated from the Marine Corps, uh, and he's a, he's a 19 year Marine vet, just retired, and living. So my brother's in the military. Uh, we drove from San Antonio to South South Carolina, Paris Island. And you we drove the south. We drove through Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi, Louisiana. We drove through all that. The Chitlin tour. Yeah, we did. The took Chitlin the- tour. And was, uh, Yo. <laughs> he, was, he was 18. He was 18, so I was 11. But um, and that's when that's what really opened my eyes to racism. You know, I experienced a little bit like growing up, like before here in San Antonio, but when we took that trip to to South Carolina, we experienced a lot of different a lot a lot of situations racism where we couldn't go down a certain road because this road is where uh, it was okay to still lynch people it just because we are a different color mm-hmm. we didn't go sit at this restaurant because we knew that we weren't going to get good service because the owner doesn't believe that we should be able to sit in the same restaurant with somebody you know what i mean and so uh that really we drove by a plant a, a plantation and we didn't go into it we didn't like it was, it was a museum, but uh, we never we didn't go into it, but we could still see the huts where uh, we were, like, our ancestors were living in, you know what I mean? And so like that brought, it was an emotional change. And even when, as you go through New Orleans um, and you see the city and, and you get the culture of New Orleans, because New Orleans is a completely different culture than any other city in the world, in, in the United States. It's a completely different culture and uh, white, black, or Hispanic. But once you, once you experience that New Orleans culture, you come back with something. That New Orleans culture br- gives you something where it's like, oh my gosh, like you don't have to be black to get, the, to get that feeling of pride because right. New Orleans has a certain pride about, about that city. It's a city that's underwater that nobody wants to leave, and so like it's a city that oh, almost floods every hurricane, <laughs> but they still stay there because they have pride in their city. And so right. that you get that you get that once you experience some time in New Orleans and once you get the history of it. So yes, Terrell, you're right. You get something. You get something out of a trip to Orleans. It doesn't it don't matter what color you are. You still get yeah. some, something out of it. Yeah, so yeah for for him I- to be
5: the same, is what the problem is. <laughs> Face, bro, like, what you doing? <laughs> I was like, hey, so, I, I, I still got family. that's like, bro, leave! Like, come on,
1: <laughs> leave, man. But I was like, no, but, man, like, that's their home. Like, that's their home. Like, no, I'm not gonna leave the city, man. I, yeah, we may flood, but hey, we gonna rebuild right back up, man. Yeah, man. We're, we're
5: good. That oh, city oh. be Austin, you want- Westlake, Drew, in New Orleans. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. Austin. So, no, and I forgot that he went to Austin Westlake, and it took uh, Shannon Sharp, to, Shannon Sharp, uh, on his uh, on undisputed with, uh, oh, man. What's oh, you, don't
2: it? give them no free pub. That's you're right, shit. You're
1: right. You're right. It took Shannon Sharp to tell me. I'm oh, my bad, y'all. <laughs> my bad. But uh, yeah. when I listened to Shannon Sharp. I was like, like oh, <laughs> I was like, Drew Brees is a Texas boy. I was like, oh man. <laughs> like no, <laughs> so, like. But then I really, Austin Westlake. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So he grew up where it's okay. Generally. Uh, All right, we may bypass their ignorance, but now, not no more, man. You can't, you can't bypass it, no more. But I, can, I can't ignore it. Last thing I'll say
0: on this, and then y'all can
2: give you know any final takes before we move on to the uh, to the NFL. Uh, what I think his wife Brittany caps, uh, uh, captured a little bit more than he did, which I think is why her apology was a little better, is a little more well received. Is that the standard has changed, right? Um, maybe before George Floyd. Uh, the acceptable standard, or not even the acceptable standard, what we had come to expect and accept and kind of become complacent uh, with from white folks was to simply just not be racist, right? And we've all been kind of trying to raise their game over these many, many years, uh, hundreds of years from simply not being racist. Well, first we had to get them off racist, but they got them to not being racist. They kind of just kind of sat there for a while And so they're just kind of not racist. I just simply, I do not hate black people. And we've we've been trying to raise them up to anti-racist, right? Where they're actively fighting the power structure and trying to change the power structure, which is anti-racist, right? It's not simply good enough for you to just not be racist and to not participate yourself in a system we want you to use your power to help dismantle the system to be anti-racist and that standard seemingly changed on degrees and that's where you can feel in her state in her statement where it's like all this time i thought simply just not being racist was good enough come to find out you want a little more from us and i understand why now i get it i understand what i've been missing this whole time drew Brees touches on that slightly on the periphery but he never gets all the way there and so um you know i'm mad but i get it he's learning he's not perfect i at least hope that whatever dragged that out of him makes him continue to grow i still you know for me personally i want to see some action where his words are i want to see how he applies that who he what don't if, don't try to raise your own voice at this moment maybe try to raise up some voices that would not get up otherwise who you can you can use uh, you can use your platform to raise their profile up that's some of the work he needs to get into and start doing now not trying to rebuild his own character necessarily as a voice within the black community but using his platform to raise up other poises of color that can more accurately and donating or, or using his platform to get to get those causes off the ground. Um, and I don't think that's where he is right now. It doesn't seem to be where his mind space is. But I I don't know his heart. I, I'm not him. I don't know what's in his mind. I don't know what he's working on. Um, so maybe he'll come and he'll figure that out. Maybe his wife will get into his ear and say, hey, this is let's let's brainstorm together as, as white people. And let's let's listen and figure out what our next steps will be. Um, so there's a lot going on with this. People are complicated, and we do have to give them just a tad bit of leeway, because people are so complicated. Um, but based on his statement and based on her statement, they're in two different lanes at the moment. And hopefully they come together and get in, in the correct lane, at, at least in my opinion, which would just be to you know move from that echelon of just simply not participating in racism. And being fighting against racism in in a meaningful way, and that's not to say that Drew Brees hasn't done things on the periphery on the periphery already that have fought racism, but that doesn't necessarily seem to be where his headspace was. You know, all the work he's done here, good so far, it's still good work. It doesn't get discounted just because he has the wrong mind frame. But it also seems like there was a lot to be desired. Right? There's a lot more left to do. There's a lot more space he needs to tread to get to where we need him to be as a person in New Orleans, as y'all said, who is uh, a fixture. Drew Brees is literally a historical figure in New Orleans, whether you, yeah. whether you, kind of, you like him or not or, or whatever. He is a part of the New Orleans history because of where he falls in line after Katrina and giving that city some hope back as the quarterback of the Saints. So literally, he's a part of New Orleans history. He's a historical figure within New Orleans. And so you, you, we need better from him, and we should expect better from him. And it sounds like he's at least on his way to getting better, um, hopefully he can back that up with some action.
3: Yeah, and, and I think for me, the, the the thing I want to see going forward is just the, the progress. You know, where, where do you go from here? <laughs> now we got Terrell in space. We lost Terrell. <laughs> Anyways, uh, what I was going to say is, uh, like, I want to see that progress. I want to see him go from here and be like, all right, this is, this is what I'm going to do now actively to better everybody around me. Um, I don't want to see him become the superhero for it. Out his lane. Like, I, I don't think that's anything that I want to see, but how hard is it just to sit down and be like, look, either he needs to as a leader or the team needs to as an NFL team, which they're not going to, you know, have that closed door meeting. Have everybody come in and just be like, look, you know, educate your, your fellow teammates about it. We got to listen right now. And, and if they don't listen, then at that point, you know, fuck them. I mean, that's, that's basically where we're at with that. So Drew Brees now has to better himself, I think. Uh, but I did want to touch on one thing that you kind of mentioned before about, um, like the, oh man, I already forgot what you said. I apologize. But you said something about like the, the, the progression, the moving from, from racist to, to not racist, to racist or not racist to anti-racist. And that's where we're, we're like shifting that barometer right now. Um, I was going to touch on it briefly earlier when you were talking about like the, 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 the whitewash history of, of MLK and, and Malcolm X. But I was thinking to myself the other day, I was like, man, I don't remember ever learning or reading Malcolm X quotes in school. Or, like, seeing his quotes ever. But, no. like, ever since that, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, ever since that, I've been, like, I've, I've learned so much. And I'm like, wow, this is crazy. But specifically, one of his quotes where he's being interviewed, and he says he's talking about progress. And then ultimately, it ends with him saying, like, how long do I have to wait for your progress? And that's where it's, you know, it was just funny to me that you mentioned that because I was thinking, like, man, nobody, like, you really don't learn none of that stuff. Anyways, uh, I, I mean, I said what I said about Drew Reese Personally, this is, this, is a permanent, this is a permanent stain on his record. I mean, it is what it is. He can fix it. He can progress from here. But it doesn't excuse the fact that for five years now, this is how he's clearly felt. And he had plenty of time to change. I'm glad he is seeming to change, but it's, it is what it is. He, he, he felt some type of way. And then it's rapidly becoming a short list, like, like I told you about the other day, Derek. There's not too many people who've got a family picture with Trump that I could be like, oh, that's a good person. <laughs> and it's just it is what it is like it just seems like everybody who's got a family picture with trump it's like come on man like whether whether you respect the office of the presidency or not you can't you can't be doing that if you've got a family picture with trump your family feels a type of way
5: True story that's what that is man. i mean you you know is fucking dope by the way <laughs> you can't be like oh, you're <laughs> president you're yeah like, once in a lifetime nah bro i'll pass yeah i mean yeah, I'm, uh, I mean, you saw the LSU Tigers did when they,
1: they were like. They That's win. what
3: I'm talking about. That's the picture I'm talking about. It's it's a recent picture. It's not like, oh, I got a picture with Trump back when he was in Home Alone. No, you got a picture of Trump when he's full on, fuck all, <laughs>
5: like no. <laughs> <laughs> when, when he's MAGA all the way. <laughs>
4: yeah. No. You gonna say D? Yeah. Um. I guess from for my last take on it. First, I kind of want to address the whole him being in New Orleans thing. I really don't put too much credence in that. For me, it didn't really matter where you live. It's more about who you interact with, where you're at. Um, so I could definitely see a, a scenario where he's more insulated because he's one of a celebrity. Um, you know, he's, he's a, a star athlete. He has a lot of money. So he probably didn't have to really have those type of conversations with black people too often because he probably didn't uh, around too many black people aside from being at practice. And, you know, at the... At the facility is probably more all about work all about football and stuff so i think he probably could have had quite a few options of dodging those situations or interactions and such as well um to kind of touch on the um the apologies from from both him and his wife uh yeah she had a great apology he had a mediocre one but for me it it really doesn't matter either way in the grand scheme of things because they were apologies that came immediately after they had gotten in trouble right? Yeah, so right. your hand was caught Kitty you got your hand hit, and now you're like, okay, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, they may be sincere about that, but to actually truly know if they understood what they're apologizing for, you have to kind of see over time, right? So right. going forward from this point going forward, what are their future statements in for the interviews? What are their actions going forward in terms of helping out people or talking to people and such?
1: Right.
4: So but right now, I'm still going to give them both the side eye because of what their stance was initially until I can see otherwise. So that's why I wasn't putting too much weight on, you know, how his body sound versus hers because it's like, well, overall, it doesn't really matter because you picked your side initially. So we you know where you said Now you, it seems like you've seen the error of your ways, but okay, if you think it's wrong, are you going to have to actually learn about why it's wrong? You know, what you can do to kind of further the cause and such. And if not, then it's like, okay, well, your body is really for nothing because you didn't grow from it, learn from it at all. So it's more of a wait and see for me and Drew Brees and kind of, I guess, how we're going to perceive him going forward. This is definitely going to be a stain on him probably for the rest of his life. But it doesn't mean he can't work back from it and try to improve it. Um, But you have to wait and see, though.
3: Just real quick to touch on that, because I'm right there with you that it's a wait and see. Like We'll see what happens with it. But I do think it is important to at least analyze apologies semantically because you see it with some companies right now, and especially with Donald Trump, where the word choice is important. You know, Donald Trump will never come out and say Black Lives Matter, but he can say we're opposed to inequality. What the fuck does that mean? So I think that's why it's important for hers to say we instead of saying like I apologize, or I apologize specifically. It may not mean anything, but at least at the end of the day, it's taking ownership of it. And I think that's important to delineate between the people who are ga- uh, dog whistling, you know. Between. Yeah, I, I, I didn't mean like it didn't mean like anything oh, no, at
4: all. Yeah, yeah. But you can tell, you know, by reading it, kind of how sincere it is me in terms of just trying to like say, okay, well, she gave like an amazing apology. Now she's that good with this, no matter what. It's like I, I wouldn't go that far with it. No. But like you said though, yeah, you have to make sure it's like, okay, what kind of apology was it? What was said in there? You kind of see like Jesse going in the right direction or not. Yeah, that's important. I agree with you on that. And,
2: and speaking of self-serving apologies... <laughs> to secure the bag, baby. <laughs> secure the bag, baby. That's <laughs> what we call a segue,
3: baby. Uh,
2: yeah. I know, NFL saw the Drew Brees landmine and decided to go ahead and try to step right on over it and instead found themselves getting the side aisle just right along with Drew Brees. Uh, so over the weekend after Drew Brees kind of, kind of squashed, I don't want to say squashed cause it's still, he's still in trouble. But uh, as Drew Brees tried to kind of walk back his statements and get back where he was supposed to be, the NFL also had an apology of their own. Um, and it came pr- uh, through Roger Goodell. And it went a little something like this. We, the National Football League, condemn racism and the systematic oppression of black people. We, the National Football League, admit we were wrong for not listening to NFL players earlier and encourage all to speak out and peacefully protest. We, National Football League, believe black lives matter. I personally protest with you and want to be a part of the much-needed change in this country. Without black players, there would be no National Football League, and the protesters— excuse me, and the protests around the country are emblematic of the centuries of silence, inequality, and oppression of black players, coaches, fans, and staff. Uh, now, before he gave that apology, he also um, went on, he also made sure to give his condolences to the family of, of uh, George Floyd, uh, Breonna Taylor, and um, I'm blanking, the, the man who was... Maude Aubrey. Bob thank Bob. you. I was blanking. Appreciate it. Amad Aubrey, so I just want to point that out too because I wasn't in the uh, little text that I read. Um, So the NFL came out and they basically said, "Hey, man, you know that whole Colin Kaepernick thing? (laughs) Our bad. (laughs) We're sorry. Um, We're not going to say we're sorry to Colin Kaepernick. We're not going to say his name.
3: name. Yeah,
2: I'm sorry. Say his name or anything like that. But uh, that whole thing where we were on the wrong side of history. (laughs) No, sorry."
4: Well, it, it needs to be mentioned, though, it needs to be mentioned, the apology from the NFL didn't come until after the players had sent them a video montage of multiple players demanding that they apologize yeah. and said that they were in the wrong. And he they repeated actually, it
5: almost verbatim. Montage,
4: that's yeah. when they apologized. officially. He did exactly
5: what they told him to do. Yeah,
4: yeah. so he kind of just copied what they kind of – it's like a layup that they gave to him. It's like, okay, well, that's good stuff to say. Let's say that same thing back to other people. <laughs> it's it's uh, well, such a- let me. Like, I guess let me start it
3: if you don't mind, because I want to say one thing about that. Like overall, this to me, I can't be the ultimate upset because I think they could have done what they always did and said nothing. So to me, I'm at least a little bit happy at the progress. That's and this it. Time
4: they can say nothing. Well, that's sorry, you mean, well. Nothing.
3: You know, that's a fair counterpoint to it. But I think it's
4: better. I don't know though. I think they could have got away with saying nothing official. I, Do you think so? No. no. There, okay. there, I'm just curious. I don't know. I don't know if y'all saw but they're killing uh, James Dolan when the Knicks organization didn't want to say anything at all. To be like, fair people,
3: though, James Dolan gets all the flame all the time, but you're right. <laughs> yeah. they, people commented they were the only ones that didn't say shit. Didn't
4: say anything, yeah. So people yeah.
3: people want to hear something from especially from
4: these
3: make it, no, make yeah. it companies and and that's make it. fair. Oh, but oh. like like we kind of touched on what the Drewby saying though, like ultimately, like what do you expect them to say? Like I, I know what I expect them to say, they're not gonna say it. I think one, it's telling that they didn't say Colin Kaepernick. Um, because that means they don't truly feel bad about that, which is fucking insane. <laughs> like, you, you think that would be the one thing that they should say, like, "Hey, this is our scandal. Here's what we did wrong." But they were yeah. like, "Hey, this is what our players think." I don't know. Ultimately, I think that, that it's a good step, but it, it's like the Drew Brees saying, "It doesn't mean anything until mm-hmm. until stuff changes." It doesn't mean they anything.
5: they need to speak his name. That's oh, yeah. well, this they made to
2: say his name. This made me pretty furious and I'm going to I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why this this made me pretty mad. And it's because it's the same old NFL stick, right? It's the same thing they pull every time. When they didn't think that their white public and you know, their their white fan base would get behind them, they took the easy way out. They both said that they stood behind the flag. They tried to do nothing in particular that would particularly alienate their players, but they never stood with their players, um, their players constantly were giving them, were giving them help, advice, takes. Constantly, we're trying to get them on the right side of history, and they really ignore them to the point where one time, Doug Baldwin comes out and says, "Yeah, we were talking to them about donating to black causes, and they wanted to." To donate to a Jewish organization, and you know I'm not Jewish. That's just how much they are not listening to players time and again on this on this issue. And for for three years, I covered an NFL that would not address police brutality, would not listen to their players, would constantly demagogue their players for implicitly. They didn't explicitly do it, but implicitly, they would paint their players as in the wrong because of their. their peaceful protests, which America is right. I mean, I know it's on company time, but if they truly wanted to stay neutral, they could have, and they never really did that. They never really stayed neutral. They tried to get as close to neutral as possible without alienating their white fan base. Um, And then as soon, as soon as the tide shifted and it became acceptable public discourse for them to say Black Lives Matter, as soon as, uh, enough white people in this country stood up and thank God for that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to begrudge that. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad there's a shift. But as soon as that happened, the self-serving NFL tries to get glom on to the, to the t- shifting tide and, and, and get their safe, um, the safest possible route they could go. Their safest apology possible. They don't even really come out and say Colin Kaepernick's name. And it's just, it just shows just how heartless, how without emotion, without empathy, the NFL really on these kind of issues, on these kind of subjects, how they really never, they had a chance, what makes me mad is they had a chance to lead. They had a chance to lead on this issue. Uh, the NBA, without even having some of these these problems, they left this issue. Um, they were able to to stand behind their players and make their players feel comfortable. The NFL had a chance to lead on this issue, and instead, as usual, they are following And they're falling right up into the bitter end. Right now, they continue to just follow. And for the most important game that we have in the country, the most high profile game we have in our country to always just be that kind of follower who has no kind of backbone, who has no kind of uh, scruples of their own. They don't really stand for anything except for the almighty dollar. That's, that's annoying. And it kind of spits in the face of what's going on right now. Um, Like, I hate to do this, but even Ed was wearing his Target shirt. Sure. The thing that impressed me about the Target CEO's apology is that it was first. He didn't have to come out and support the protesters that are the rioters that burned down um, the Target. But he chose to do that, and he was among the first to do that. So that meant something to me. Um, that, what the NFL is doing, it doesn't mean anything to me. Because not only is it a half-assed apology, it is a late apology in so many respects from, the time period of when they had a chance to actually make some meaningful change and be a leader on this to even in the context of now, they're among the last to get this going. And so that's why it got my blood boiling, just because it's just so self serving NFL as usual. And I, it's like, you can't trust this, right? There's no real way to trust this after the previous five years of what they've been doing.
4: And so. I mean, to- well, well, the message is D at the end of the day, For the nfl what do you want do you want the nfl to be forward thinking and very sincere or do you want them just to make the changes that we want them to make like if they actually do make the changes they do um you know allow the peaceful protesting um they start making changes in terms of how it um the difficulty is to you know for minority coaches to get hired they make those changes is that the ultimate goal or is it for them to change fundamentally as actual organization like what are we looking for here for the nfl because the reason why I think they're doing this is because, as a business model, they're very reactionary to everything. You know, yeah. it's like they, they don't change rules until stuff goes really bad. They don't start researching new helmets until people start getting CTE and suing them, right? Yep. So, all they do for big businesses is they wait until something goes bad and then they change it. While the NBA is the the opposite, they're like, okay, what more can we do? Let's push right. push the initiative, let's be innovative. So, I think there's like two different spectrums in terms of businesses, which is why they're going to change in terms of how they react to stuff. But as long as they they made the right corrections, that's probably maybe the ultimate thing overall. But what do you think about, like, what do you want ultimately to happen with them, ideally?
3: Well, I I can, uh, I was going to say, I I guess I can answer that real quick. Like, to me, the the ideal scenario is they do both. Like, ideally, you come out as a result of this and you apologize that you failed. And then you turn around and say, this is what we're going to do to support our players going forward that is a reactionary measure but it's a good measure and it says that hey we're going to support the players but to Derek's point it's not enough I mean it's it's saying that oh we we got caught with our hands you know reaching in so now we we're getting punished and we're going to react to it but what you can do proactively is and they're not going to I mean I don't want to say they're not going to do it who knows because this next week's going to be probably pretty crazy I think ultimately for businesses but uh what you do is you hire Kaepernick and you form a not, maybe not Kaepernick, but you hire smart people and you hire people who are going to be the leaders for that innovation. You hire people who are going to be your community outreach people. You form a task force dedicated to this and then you give them real teeth. You don't you don't mm-hmm. make them just like a, a for show kind of thing, which is why I said maybe not Kaepernick because that to me would reek of PR, yeah. but yeah. whatever. Uh, but I mean, that to me, that you do both. You apologize now, you fix what's going on now, and then you do more. Which, like I said, I don't really believe anything about the NFL apology, but like you're saying it's it's step one.
2: And and to answer your question, D, I guess what frustrates me about this is that I feel I feel like it's a very low bar, and I get what you're saying about the NFL. We literally criticize the NFL all the time about how reactionary they are. That's half the time why we're killing them is because they're doing reactionary things, whereas the NBA is a lot more proactive. It's not like the NBA isn't capable of being reactionary, you know, especially under David Stern. They did some things of this nature as well. But that's neither here nor there. But for me, what's easy about this that they just refuse to ever really do is just stand behind your players, right? Like, I don't feel like it's that big of an ass to say, listen and stand behind your players in a meaningful way. And I just, you could never get them to do that. And even now, it still just even feels like half measures. So hopefully they'll come out, they'll show what they need to show, and we'll get them, because I think what you're, Kind of what you're getting at is ultimately, and we've talked about this off air, is that you're right. They're where they really need to be somewhat right now. So now that they're here, good. It's better that they're here than not here, right? And so let's mm-hmm. let's let's make progress. But it's just it's so annoying that a. On on issues like a rule change, uh, pass interference, yeah, okay, you can get away with being reactionary. You can get away with being you're not leading. But wh- time and time again, when it comes to leading, when it comes to empathy, the NFL is devoid of it. It's devoid of it. When it comes, like you said, when it comes to CTE,
4: yeah. <laughs> when it to comes it. to
2: player safety. Okay. When it comes to racial inequality. Did you lose me? Yeah, for uh, a second. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, when it comes to racial equality, they they do not lead on this on the any of these subjects. And it's time in, time out. Um and I would just I would just want a game that we purport to represent our nation somewhat as we do to be to be better, to simply be better. And I don't think it's a tough ass from the standpoint of I don't think they need to you know, I don't think they need to be at the forefront of protest necessarily um, as a league. As far as the league office, I don't know that I need Roger Dell on the sidelines holding up a, a fist saying Black Power, but...
4: I do. I, I need can- that.
5: I
3: yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, like, yeah, I kind of know you mentioned it. I'm
5: <laughs> not going to get that, cool. and the reason why is because the owners lead the way. And the owners yep. ain't doing it.
3: Well, also on the flip side of what Derek's saying, <laughs> like, yeah, they do represent America. That's kind of the problem, right? But
5: yeah, that's what you're saying. It's the owners. The, the owners are going to be how, how if you want anything done in that league, the owners have to be behind it. And those owners, the vast majority of which, you know, let's be realistic, their prime, you know, from a standpoint of just sheer age, was at a time when, you know, this stuff was cool. It was all right for black folks to get treated like trash. Like, you know, and and, and then it's like when you have the opportunity to, quote-unquote, own some, you know, and you're in this league and you've got these contracts and, you know, and then the contracts are already unfair to begin with. And and so, you know, it's it's why it's always this big discussion when it's time to talk about collective bargaining and all, these other, all this other nonsense. It, it still comes back to a situation where these guys don't want to come out of pocket the way they probably should considering, you know, what these players are going through on a week-by-week basis. So the owners are going to be the ones that are going to have to initiate a lot of the stuff that we want to see because Goodell is literally there for the owners. He works for them. He doesn't work for the players. He doesn't work for the fans. He works for the owners. He's literally just the, he's the personification of, of, you know, what they want the league to look like. And so, okay, we got to put a face on this. Otherwise we'd be seeing Jerry Jones every freaking week. (laughs)
0: <laughs>
5: okay. okay, And which okay. he does enough of in Dallas. So the bottom line is, is, that's really where it has to come from. If these, if these owners are not going to be on board, and let's be realistic, that you know, when you think about all these owners, the vast majority of which are well in their sixties and seventies and, and older, um, those and guys right. ain't, ain't fit to step out. And very, They're very, very white. white. Black Lives Matter. You know well, what I'm saying?
0: Real okay. quick, I want to touch on the
3: Cowboys thing. I wanna to touch on the Cowboys thing. Like do you remember the twenty the four hour news cycle when that happened where yeah. like it was announced that the Cowboys were gonna do a field demonstration? And I was like, Oh hell yeah And yeah. then they did it and I was like, Oh hell no what, what, what? It, was, it was a roller coaster really. <laughs> hey, <so. laughs> Nope. Hey. Uh, yeah, no, the, yeah. the Cowboys fucked that up. Specifically yeah. <laughs> Jerry Jones. I mean
2: there are I mean, so many demonstrations that left a lot a lot of us wanting during yeah. that time. I had to tell I, I, and then, so it was it was why it was, a it, was uh, it was it was a lot to be desired.
3: Um, I just you, remember when they announced it, I was so like, Yeah, yeah. And then it <laughs> happened. I was like, Oh
5: that you should have never expected that. You should have never expected. Uh, see, that's why in hindsight I was like, What did I expect from Jerry Jones? But I tell you what, man, uh we gonna go out there and we're gonna go on the field and we're gonna do a demonstration. No. <laughs> it wasn't gonna be good. <laughs> Yeah, what No, it's funny because
1: uh, they were on the Amazon Prime NFL show during that time. And so they had like the full week, the full like 30 minutes of the show building up about this conversation. I was like, yeah. oh, y'all did all this? Y'all went out and did that? And, and then
3: like, they did oh, it God. before the anthem. They did yeah. it before the anthem. Yeah, <laughs> they were like, all right, let's get
5: out here. I was like, yeah, go. That's <laughs> Jason Gary. You got to dress in a
1: little Jerry Jones
5: fashion too because he had y'all thinking something really great was going to happen. Ah, uh, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's putting
3: us some
1: stuff. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I to know.
3: Well, I was gonna say though, uh, something I've been wrestling with, and, and you kind of touched on it when you talk about the owners. Uh, something I've been wrestling with these last late like, week is um, Ruby Bridges. That was the first, the first girl to go to an integrated school, the mm-hmm. one with the pictures of everything going on. She's 66 years old. She was six years old when that happened. That was 1960.
5: Than most of the owners
3: that's what i'm saying she's younger than these owners congress's average age right now is 62 years old exactly. so this is something i've been wrestling with that these people were born and they grew up in the mm-hmm. middle of integration yep. and and you can go right down the list and pick which ones were on what side and that's just what it is Clearly so right. like that that shaped this entire generation so of course they're not going to nothing's going to change right this moment there's too much age in the, involved but I mean that's just something I've been wrestling with this last week because uh, so it was her, I think it was her birthday like last week or something and people were like she turned 66 I was like oh shit that's young <laughs> I was like that's, that's not long
2: well, when people when people oh, I'm sorry there go ahead uh, when people talk about racism and, and discrimination and in pre integration and they act like it's so far away and it's like no there's a lot of people walking this earth who dealt with segregation my dad had to go get food from the back of the restaurant because they wouldn't serve him in the front. My dad led led walkouts
1: wow. when he was in
2: high school. My my dad's not yeah, obviously, you know, I'm I'm almost 30. My dad's like sixty something. So he's not an old, old man. Like this is this
5: history isn't that far away. And mm-hmm. I don't know p- people don't seem to grasp that sometimes, which is they don't do the math and realize that yeah. you start realizing these owners are 20 years older than your parents in some cases but the average, you know, it's like, you know, it snaps you to it. Like, Whoa, like, you know, and then of course, most of them, with the exception of, you know, a couple, most of them keep a very low profile for a reason because they, especially in regards to situations like this, most of them keep a very low profile because they already know that they're too set in their ways to not say what they really think. And that's the biggest issue. So, in order to keep that money flowing for that team, they stay their butts in the background and they keep it quiet. And if you typically, if you hear anything about one of these old, uh, one of these older uh, owners, typically, if you hear anything that came from any of them, it's usually been relayed from a player, uh, from them to a player, and then the players might say something. We like when it happened with the uh, Houston Texans when McNair uh, made those comments about. The, uh, the prisoners uh, running the, running the asylum. Whatever. yeah. Like, you, you can't even make that reference. The fact that his mind made that reference and it came out of his mouth is because he was an 80-plus-year-old dude. And yeah. he came out and he said it because he felt like, hey, I own this team. I can say whatever I feel like saying. And that's the kind of stuff that you know, that, that, he's not the only one. The vast majority of them pretty much probably feel the same way. But most of them just don't come right out and say it, especially not in front of players or in front of cameras.
3: Donald Sterling was what, eight years ago? I don't even know anymore. But yeah. This was, was like, <laughs> uh, just happened. <laughs>
2: yeah, it, was the, like, it wasn't that long It was, like, 2015 or two
3: thousand fifteen. Oh, so, see, eight years is too long. That's what I'm saying. Like, this yeah, is ridiculous.
1: I think that's, that's, that's a crucial part in all this, man. We're not far off from 1960. You know what I'm saying? We're not far from it. And so uh, we're not even a hundred years away from it. You know what I'm saying? We're not even a century away from 1960. And yet uh, it's, it's, I'm going to touch the point. I think it was awesome You said like the people who are in office and the people who are the owners are the people who were, were, they were living when it was okay to be like this. And so like, and it goes on to like, people are afraid of a change. I feel like, you know what I'm saying? They feel, they fear the younger generation because it's a new idea or right. it's a Something different, going to change. Oh, we gotta stick to the old tradition. Uh, we gotta stick to all this and that. That, like, no, man, we gotta change it up a little bit. Yeah. And so that's and it really, it comes apart And every every two years when it comes every two years when it comes to the Senate and the House representation. And so going out, down, going out, down policy train. I don't want to go down that train, but I'm saying it just go. It happens, and, and it it takes a lot. Just go, a lot has to happen for change for it to become into full effect. And um, it it counts on us. It counts on us five in our generation, you know, and, and we, got, we got to get out. We got to get out there because people didn't expect us to be as heard going back to the rise. They didn't expect us to be this angry. You know what I mean? I don't think people expected it to be this
5: angry. I don't think they expected us to be this powerful about it. They that first night, 50 they, states they say one more time. They didn't expect it to be in 50 states either. They probably figured it was going to yeah. be Minneapolis yeah. yeah. and that was going to be it, it. it. And when it, it hit they, all in over states, 18
4: countries too. Yep. Exactly, but
1: it's because of our generation and the Amish. Yes, and the (laughs) Amish. So it was our generation that got, and so that's what kind of I get when the first the first night when I saw the protest, I was excited to see a whole bunch of young people out there, race across the board. I was excited to see that there was a younger generation out there, and I was also excited to see there was a younger and older generation out there at the same time. And um, even with uh, when I'm going to touch the riots real quick, uh, that. So, I get it. I don't personally agree with Rice, but I guess I I see it. But um, there's it's it's, it's getting is they're gaining attention, and so like Terrell told us earlier, you didn't you didn't like the attention that we we're, we were trying to get your attention when we took a knee. We try to get your attention. When we were standing up with our fists raised. We try to get your attention. When we were that we lay down in your malls. We can lay down in the middle of the streets. We try to get your attention. But we only got your attention when things started blowing up. And at that point, we weren't even the ones blowing it up. You know what I'm saying? It was there's people, there's some C's out there trying to set us up for failure. Right. And so, and so uh, I'm gonna speak. I'm gonna speak. I'm saying that right now. There's C's out there who are trying to make set us up for failure. Who trying to take the focus away from from our protests.
3: Well, even real quick on that because this is something I kept seeing all last week, and it pissed me off time and time again. MLK respected the rioters. Yes, he, he didn't did. agree with their message, but MLK said, "Look, this is what happens when y'all don't listen. Right. We're speaking the same." truth but well, yeah. they're speaking it a different way yeah. and he's like I will not condemn them because you can't turn me against them our exactly. enemy is you but yeah. anyways, that's what you're saying and so
1: me. um there's a there's a scene out of the movie Malcolm X when um they're in front of the hospital for the man who got shot and uh, and you see all the people sitting across the street and the police officer's blocking off the hospital and the Malcolm X goes up to the police officer and the doctor he's like how's the man the doctor said he's good and the police officer like, all right you can leave now and what about your people Malcolm X puts up his hand points that way and people leave that's the most powerful powerful scene ever and the, and the cops said that's too much power for one man exactly you know they're, they're afraid of the power that we can't like that a young generation can have we have so much power our generation has so much power right now and we're we're finally tapping into it and we're finally expressing it and we're scaring a lot of people we're scaring a lot of people because they're not ready for it they're not ready for the change they're not ready for what's gonna happen and I, was, I went down the political trail I'm sorry but hey I, I felt like that had to be said, but yeah, like there's a lot of Cs out there. I'm gonna say this one more time: there's a lot of Cs out there who are setting us up for failure, who are trying to change, the, who are trying to change the focus of our protests. And I'm, I will call you out every single time I see it too. I'm not gonna let it happen. Don't, I don't care where you are, I don't care who you are. If you're a bad seed out there, you're gonna be called out. Well,
2: I mean, quickly, you you study the history of this country, right? And you to kind of. Uh, run down Ed's point a little bit. You study this the, the country. You, you you find out there's really no way to protest that people are going to enjoy and or take up your take up the cause with you. Um, whatever, like like Ed explained, whatever whatever way you protest, they seem to have a problem with it. Um, it's always wrong. You know. <laughs> we say Black Lives Matter, they say all lives matter. We, we 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 sit, they say to kneel. We kneel, they say don't do it at all. We we protest peacefully, they come out with tear gas, and they come out with, with riot gear and they treat us like We've already burned something down. Uh, We riot and get angry, and of course they're not going to like that because that's now their bank accounts are going to get hurt. Um, And and to to Ed's point, that's not even us rioting. So you don't even wait to figure out if we're the ones actually doing the damage. You just put that on us immediately, so you can distract away from the message. And so there's only so long people are going to go with you killing them in in the streets, with you disrespecting us, you know, as as a people, as you profit off of our culture, as, you know, black people have basically become synonymous synonymous with pop culture. There's only so long you're going to feed off of all of that and then kill us in the streets as well before, you know, something's going to pop off. And and we, you gotta, I mean, you gotta give black people credit, man. We show incredible restraint because- if we were like, and I'm just going to be real about it, if we were like these white people, this country would have been burnt to ash long ago. Because when you disrespect white people, they can't wait to burn something down. They can't wait to, to get, out of, get out of pocket. And so as a, as a group, we've showed incredible restraint throughout the history of this country that this country is even standing after we built most of it up with our bare hands and uh, built up the economy with our bare hands and things of that nature and still don't get the credit that we deserve to this day. And so, I mean, as, I mean, I put it pretty perfectly, man, like there's only, but so long, you're just going to not listen to us before, you know, it's going to get drastic. And I'm glad that it's actually not come to that really. Um, and that we're actually starting to see it's starting to shift. It feels like, I, I hope, I hope, I pray that's the case, that it is actually shifting and we don't have to revisit this in this way again. Um, because it could get really, really ugly, honestly. Um, and I, no one wants that. I mean, that's why it's, it's, it's crazy to me that people are like, I condemn riots, and they, they want to focus on that part. It's the easy thing in the world to say you condemn riots. No one really wants riots. No one wants violence. That's not what people really want to be about. People just want to be safe in their homes and, and, and feel protected. No one wants to be out in the streets uh, doing, doing harm to people. But once you put people into a corner or you give people the opportunity, As we've seen some people who are bad actors, you give them the space uh, amid political unrest to, to, to disguise themselves, uh, then you're going to get some of, these, some of these issues, right? And so like, that's why I could never get behind, or oh, I'm going to condemn the riots, but I'm not going to say anything about these protests, or I'm going to condemn the riots and act like they're on the same level as a, a, a policeman killing a human in broad daylight with little to no remorse, um, those aren't equivalent things, sorry. A, a piece of property is not equivalent to a human life. That's just not what it is. Um, it's never going to be that, I'm not going to allow that. And so the real empathy comes when you actually listen to why a riot is happening instead of trying to just immediately get your moral outrage out there immediately. Because it's the easiest thing in the world to be morally outraged, but can you listen and understand where this pain is coming from and make, take measures to make sure it doesn't happen again? And that's what MLK was about. Uh, whether he agreed with writing or not, he knew that those people had a point and they were speaking in that language. Could you get beyond that language and actually fix what is wrong so that they don't feel the need to express themselves in that way any longer?
3: And don't use fucking Dr. King to defend your shitty
4: viewpoint.
3: <laughs> like this whole yeah. last week.
4: <laughs> think about it, like oh, yeah. Ain't nobody really wants violence. No one wants riots. Well, also no one really wants to protest either. The point of a protest is to make people uncomfortable and get you out of the norm. So that's the whole point of a protest. And when people, and when people mention Dr. King, I always think of like, okay, well, why is Dr. King so famous? Like Dr. King and Gandhi, they're famous because they did nonviolent protests. So that means that's, that's something unique that they did. Not the norm. So really, protests and aren't... Both are a <laughs> I'm sorry. Most really times, mean. protests are not going to be peaceful because at the very nature, they're not supposed to be supposed to call cause some type of... People get riled up, some type of chaos or whatever. That's whole point of a protest. So the fact that certain people did it completely nonviolent, that stood out in history because that usually didn't happen in all of history. A lot of times, these people usually weren't nonviolent in protests. Yeah. Um, to take it back to some of the owners as well, I think we you also have to look at is in the NBA. So let's say when, when, um, when, uh, I'm sorry, I'm thinking on the, uh, the former commissioner, Stern. Yes, Stern. Yeah. So when he was still there, they actually weren't, you know, the most progressive league ever either. They kind of had some issues in terms of running in with the, with the community, stuff like that. But it kind of changed when they kind of got a bit of backlash from people for how they were treating people. So that's when they get, eventually, when there was a change in power, they got Adam Silver in there to help out, right? So it could right. be the same for the NFL as well. They have all these older owners that are in power, but one thing they understand is business, right? So if it's bad for business, they're going to do something to change it. So hopefully with these protests, with the back they're getting, with them seeing that they're not on the right side of history, actually may push them to even, maybe not change themselves, but change how their business is running by putting people in place to do things for them to bring in more customers because they want to be on the right side of history. They want to be liked or popular or whatever. So that could be an upside in terms of where the NFL could go in the future because we've already seen it with the NBA to where they change a lot of things by putting different people in power. They could do the same thing in the NFL as well, potentially, but we have to wait and see how that plays out, though. Right. And I
2: uh, i guess my thing about that, and not it, it, it doesn't have to be a big thing. It's just from my personal view is I just want people to know – Win, when, 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 when we when we review history and we the chips are down and we review, we count up the tiles, we count up the chips. I just want everyone to remember that the NFL ain't shit. They ain't ever been shit. <laughs> they not gonna be shit in the future. I mean, right. nah, I, They're just they're. I just want us to know that the NFL can be great from here, and they can we can get all the change they want, and got and more power to them. I'm glad. I'm glad they could maybe be a part of this change in the future. But when the chips were really on the table, they 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 rolled snake eyes and willingly did so. They they played snake eyes on the board. They they, they didn't even roll it. They just kind of sat them down. And so I guess that's just maybe that's just me needing more time to get away from it because I was kind of so in the thick of it during that time period. But for whatever reason, I just can't ever get on that that NFL train. I hope they do right by their players. I hope they start listening to the players. I, I hope Daniel, as you said, they do what's right for business because I think yeah. that is what's right. For at this point, and that's because how do you, really
4: how'd you feel about the NBA saying that you had to wear a suit all the time because they, they assumed like all the players were thugs? Oh, yeah, didn't even out, right? But like we moved on since then. We don't forget it, but we have forgiven them because right, they've done so much more going but forward. But now
5: those so players are, are fashion icons now, yeah.
4: right? Yeah, now they, they flipped <laughs> it on. Right.
5: They flipped it on. Like, right. Some of these players are making millions of dollars from, from fashion. So, oh, yeah. I mean. You're, you're right. The NBA has its own checkered
2: history of race relations from, you know, you know, treating the players differently for the fights that they get into as opposed to you know what hockey does. And to this day, hockey still has fighting in its game and the NBA completely eradicated it because it was unseemly to the to the white public, to the dress code. That's pretty, pretty blatantly racist as fuck. Um, that's just what it is. Um, and so like the NBA has its own its own past. And, you know, some of that just might be my love for ball. Some of that might just be I'm um, excusing it from a standpoint of uh, I always, for whatever reason, felt that David Stern actually had a love for his players that I just don't get from the NFL. Like, I actually – and I, tr- I tried to make it clear that I don't really blame Roger Dell for this because I don't think Roger Goodell has any, any – I don't think Roger Goodell has as much control over his game as David Stern has ahead of his game so maybe yeah, that's unfair yeah. what I'm doing to the NFL compared to David Stern but for whatever reason David Stern just felt like someone who actually listened to his players to a degree now he does have that air of authority, authoritarianism to him as well but for the NFL I just they don't get anything right like the NBA would get wrong.
5: But they would also get a couple of things right. The
2: NFL, just feel, it feels like they don't get nothing
5: right, man. And so, I don't know. Okay, I, 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 how I, about, like, literally, things get served they, up to the NFL, and they still don't get it right. Like, literally, you they, put it in front of them, and they screw it up still.
4: I, I won't they, purport they, to they, be un- on a, this. They play a little out of it. It's just you. I don't want to shoot in the bell, but just, uh, you know, just for, for, just for content. So, the halftime shows, those have gotten better in terms of diversity and such, right? And they did it without – well, man, not a ton of prodding, I guess. So they had to give you some credit for that,
3: right? No, because they only did it after they tried pushing the who on y'all, and everybody's like, "Come the fuck on!" <laughs>
4: right, but, but, but people people were, were upset because of who is just like an old, you know, an old uh, and all that kind of stuff. Not because, So yeah. they, they
3: they reacted for the dollar, and they reacted to put a more interesting product out there. That
4: doesn't mean they did it for proactiveness. They did Don't it for the Jay-Z, dollar. Baby. My opinion. And they did Come. both though yeah because they brought in jay-z he probably gave them some good ideas and they were like okay well that makes sense because one people will probably want someone who's current and also oh we also can help out in terms of diversity as well in terms of our shows no
3: yeah i mean that part's right but like we were kind of talking about when we we're talking about the apologies you can you can do the right thing and still get zero points of credit for it so yeah. i give them no credit for it but they did the right thing yeah i mean that's all but i'm saying why, but, but, why, but why zero
4: credit though it's not why?
3: It doesn't take a fucking genius to be like, yeah. yo, jay zs is a popular person. Let's put right. Jay-Z out here. It's, Our, like the,
5: it's like the dude bragging on social media about paying his child support. Like, okay. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but what I'm saying, what I'm saying, there is Daniel was like, uh is is like I don't give you credit for being proactive with it when you're pushing something that everybody knows they want to see. Right. Like, like but to they, me, Jay-Z is that big of a draw that it's okay. Now, if they had come out and been like, all right, now it's a halftime show starring Erica Badu, I'd be like, oh, shit. Somebody, something went wrong in the NFL where they were like, hey, we're going to really push. And that would be something that I would be like, okay, they get credit for that. Jay-Z doesn't why, get credit why, for that. Jay-Z is a superstar. Why, why, why do they get credit for that, for Erykah Badu? No, no, no. What do you mean why? Because that's not a major draw the same way Jay-Z is. Uh, like, it,
5: like, I get where you're coming from. It's like if you – Look like you're going the right direction, and then all of a sudden that happens. It's like, what? <laughs>
3: I'm just saying, Jay Z's is slammed up. Like, they, didn't, <laughs> they didn't do anything proactive. They just took a popular person and put him in there.
4: Yeah. But, but but what I'm saying is, they didn't have to do it. People will still watch it regardless, and they still would make money. So they didn't have to do a change no matter what, but they did the change. They got give no, them a, credit for that.
3: Well, I mean, yeah, but then they also turned around and give us Maru5. I mean,
1: I mean, but I have to. I oh, don't know. I think <laughs> it is what
3: it is,
4: man. <laughs> I'm trying to defend the NFL, y'all. Let's get off. <laughs> I mean, I'll
1: i i i try to back you up, Daniel. I got your back. I love football. <laughs> so, <laughs> I like football. I'm just saying. Like they well, did it I for know, money. I see, I can see I can see how hiring Jay-Z is proactive for it. You know what I mean? Because they, they, they hired a popular person for the culture, you know, for who and so it could be proactive that way. And they went with a uh, – uh, who was it, yeah. Jennifer Lopez and Shakira? Shakira, thank you. So the Puerto Rican, they hit the Puerto Rican, and oh well, yeah,
3: this last year is a big outlier and they, in a good way. But I'm just saying, oh, they, I'm saying they, like, you, like, credit for. I meant this year before they. Oh, okay. For, okay. Then yeah, I Not all their. Okay, times. all right. Then no, I agree with that. Yes, this year well, standout
1: success. Saying, so I would give them credit for. it. A, actually they they should have kept track when they had beyond They should have gone something when they, after Beyonce. Then they went to. I think it was Five. Was
3: Gaga after Beyonce or was Gaga before Beyonce? I don't remember.
4: I don't uh-huh.
1: care. If, I don't if remember, was after Beyonce, and then I don't uh, remember. JT was I after remember that
4: they, they got all that outrage after Beyonce, though, so that's why they wouldn't go back. Well, to
1: because that. because of the formation, everybody's
3: like, Black Panthers on television. No! Yeah, so they, then they had yeah. spooks. They're like, oh no, it's cool.
1: They got, scared. they got scared. But, hey, Quick, Adam Levine, save us. No. Hey, uh, <laughs> all I know is that I'm happy that this <laughs> man's my coach, by the way. Oh, hey, hell yeah. Pop Maybe this man's my coach. This, was after Beyonce. Is, with this man, with this man right behind me, said so he's done what you breeze should've done. Who is this man, Ed? For great, our listeners? great uh coach Greg Popovich. I, I keep forgetting, we're not live. The great coach <laughs> <laughs> the great <laughs> Coach Greg Popovich, man. So that, that, that's my coach. I'll back him up all day, every day. So yeah, that's my coach.
2: Yeah, if you uh... Uh, I'll plug. I'll, I'll actually give this a plug. If you haven't listened to the uh, Flying Coach podcast that uh, has Pete Carroll and Steve Kerr, um, it's actually a really good podcast in general. But they had a great podcast on, and uh, you know, for three white men just kind of talking about how they can improve and be better about race relations, it was it was it was outstanding. Um, and, and you can tell they get it. Um, there's just people in this world who get it, and they're they three of them. Yeah, so to hear their perspective, to hear their perspective on it was actually refreshing. Um, in a way, you probably wouldn't assume again when you're listening to just three older white dudes talking about this issue. Um, but again, they were really, really good on it. So you know, I'll, I'll give that a shout out because it's worth a shout out. Not that they care because they're never gonna listen to this. <laughs> what are you talking we talk about we're going to pop today, it man.
5: We
1: turn the Adam, that, that, man. Yeah. And we and when y'all have Pop on this podcast, man, I gotta be there just to like record it and, and nah, it. don't even tell it. Just record it and be like, hey, hey, listen to this. Pop will be yeah, it'll be so <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't even want to be a part of it. I just wanna be in the room, bro. I don't need the, I don't need to be a part of it. I just wanna be in the room. <laughs> That's it. Um but to, to
2: to just to one more point on Daniel's devil's advocate point. Um and, you know, they get a little you know, I I am someone I'll give give them, you know. Five percent credit or whatever. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> he all like, but you have to understand the context. The, the context was so Janet Jackson had a, a wardrobe malfunction that actually seems to be I don't I don't want to say seems to be, but Justin Timberlake is actually the person who made the wardrobe malfunction happen. Instead, yeah. Janet Jackson got all the hell for it and got blackballed, and the NFL reacted as a business would uh, to that statement, and this went completely autocorrect. And their their halftime show did suffer in the ratings because of that. So it wasn't like it was this pure altruism where they were like, "Well, we got to do this for the culture." They were they the, one of the big draws of the Super Bowl is the halftime show, and it had become it had started to wane because they overcorrected so much off of what you could you you could phrase as a little racial backlash to what had happened previously. Uh, you know, I don't want to act like it's out of the realm of you know craziness to be a little concerned about what happened but the backlash that happened in America and the backlash that the NFL helped foster for that that event with Janet Jackson was over the top and and outlandish and then they overcorrected. so you know it's hard for me to give them complete points back when they slowly very very slowly moved back from that point um in in the past you know know what I mean yeah
4: that's true but I mean they could have even gone the safe route getting like say like Taylor Swift, Justin Bieber, throw them out there. Ooh. They would have got a ton of ton of uh, yeah. views and everything. Ooh. They would have been back to making money. So they could do it if they want to in terms of just picking someone out the barrel and throwing them out there. just like a safe, generic act, but they didn't do that. All right. So they get, that's what I'm saying. They did come to a little bit more than they really had to, and I give them at least some credit for that.
0: I,
2: I could try to cool with you and say there's no way they could get Justin Bieber and, and, and Taylor Swift to do that halftime show for free. But, you know, I feel like you're doing your, your best to play devil's advocate. I got to give you a little. I, mean, I, I I could name other
4: acts, but I was like, this is the first thing. That's what I mean, man. That's I could I, mean. I,
2: I, I could try to be a, a dick and like completely torpedo your <laughs> point. But Kelly
1: Clarkson! Not- <laughs> what do you say, Terrell? Kelly Clarkson! <laughs> oh, no, past
3: 2010. No, <laughs> black people
2: love Kelly Clarkson, so <laughs> they
3: could definitely do Kelly Clarkson.
2: But yeah, I get, I get where you're coming from, D. And I will say that I probably am be, slightly being unfair when comparing the NBA to the NFL because the NBA definitely has its warts as well, and I don't ever want to overlook them. You know, you know my stance on the the whole suit debacle thing. Um, I think that was infinitely racial and racist, but you know. I, they, they have kind of recovered from that and actually turned that into a positive somehow, um, whereas the NFL doesn't usually get that benefit of the doubt. Um, well, so, like Terrell said,
4: the, like the players helped him with that, though, in terms of making it so popular to be all dressed up in different types of fashion and stuff. So right. the, they, 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 them yet again.
2: Ironic, ironically, their racist rule actually ended up turning into a positive for them, ironically, right? Yeah. And so that wasn't anything they did. They didn't clean that up. The players just happened to, you know, because of the way the sport is, is marketed and because of the way that they took control of the narrative, they are able to clean that up for the NBA. And so, like, you know, as I stole some of the versions of the NBA, it's not always, you know, Adam Silver, or the owners or whatever, because the owners are white in the NBA too. Um, so, yeah. you know, you, you're definitely right in terms of calling me out a little bit for how I compare the NBA and the NFL because they're, they're not always, you know, the NBA is better, but they're certainly not they're certainly not perfect at all. By any stretch of the imagination, they have their own history to reckon with. Um, It's just that ah, I covered that sport D, and it, it makes me mess up so much talk.
4: Yeah, well, the, the NFL being so garbage makes the NBA look so much better because of my comparison. <laughs> so I <yeah. laughs>
2: they set up a low bar for the NBA to clear sometimes, so that the NBA yeah. easily because they it's all so
4: that yeah. <laughs>
2: Uh, so anything else, guys, y'all want to say on the NFL or just in general? Uh, I know we wanted to kind of say what was on our heart about what's going on in this country in general. Um, I feel like some of us were able to do that just because of the topic matter. We got some of that in already. But uh, if y'all want to say anything else about what's going on or how y'all felt, um, this is, you know, obviously this is a podcast for that, you know, getting some stuff off your chest if you need to.
3: I think, I think it's just too complicated to, to go into every facet of it right now. But overall, it's, it's amazing what's happening. I'm I'm super excited to see where it goes from here. I think that it, it's it's caused a whole wave of support that that nobody really saw coming, um, and it's it's an absolute tragedy that had to happen the way it did. The way it, it, I, it I think that if it was just another if it was just another black man killed, it wouldn't be the same. But because you got nine minutes of that man choking the life out of him, it, it makes you feel a type of way, and and it just kind of it, it's too much. It is what like like people had already started to forget about Brianna Taylor and, and even to an extent Ahmaud Maud and not everybody, of course. I'm not trying to say like nobody remembers, but I'm saying people forgot. People started to forget, right? But but unfortunately, this is this is what caused it. But fortunately, it woke people up.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm more optimistic uh, than I've been in a in a minute. Uh, even when like because of course like. Um, all the political stuff that's happening with Trump and we're trying to get him, frankly, we're trying to get him out of office. Um, And you have someone you were not necessarily, you know, so gun-ho about in Joe Biden. And I'm just thinking of all the ways in which Donald Trump's gonna get reelected. And this is, for at least now, we'll see what happens. There's a lot of election season left, unfortunately. (laughs) But right now, if we took a vote, I really feel like we would 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 get what we needed done I don't want to say easily because of the electoral map, but pretty. I think it'd be pretty sound victory in uh, his favor. Now he can mess that up from now to November. So there's no. I don't. I don't
5: feel, I don't feel yeah. He just needs yeah. to stay away from Charlemagne the God and the Breakfast Club. If he does so,
3: yeah. real, real quick on that, I, I laughed so hard when I saw it because it was the worst thing anybody could say like in that situation. I was like, why? Why? What? But I, and, and it, it struck me. It, it struck me the way though that a lot of things like. But that people say sometimes, I, to me, just as an objective person watching it, he seemed to just be feeling himself so much, and and nobody reined him in. Nobody yeah. told him like, "Hey, stop," yeah. because he was just popping off. He's like, "Man, I killed this interview with Charlemagne.
1: I'm out here doing big things." Um, and all in the back, yeah. like <laughs> he's like, "Bro." You're not at the table. You're at the, you're at the barbecue. But you ain't at the table. All you have to do is just sit there and chill, man. It's
3: like,
4: I hosted <laughs> this damn barbecue. Y'all like We're trying to do all the work for him so hard, but he won't let yeah. us do the work for him. Yeah. He, wants to, he wants to try he to help. Really, no, no, Sit in the corner. He, we'll do it for you. He could sit and let Obama do all the
3: work
1: for him, but he's like, no, this is my it's election. because really could, because Yeah. Um, I'm going to say a joke real quick. Uh, y'all remember that skit from uh, TNT, like that one moment with Charles, when they had that minute section and Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, and then uh, Shaq, and uh, Shaq got pissed off because he went back to, back to Charles. He yeah. Cut him off. That's what Austin does. I just realized I that. do it all the time, he yeah. He does that to y'all all the time. He yeah, actually, I cut people like, off. Austin will say his point. Derek will say the point. Austin, oh, wait, I got to say one more thing real quick <laughs> about that point. It's like, I got things to say. I <laughs> know, <laughs> oh <my laughs> man, that's a part life. I'm like, dang, man! said it's one, two, three. <laughs> but anyway, but no, it's fair. I do it, <laughs> but I just thought it was funny. But yeah, um, I'm like, right. everyone. I'm optimistic right now. I'm, I'm, a, I'm excited for the chance. I'm excited for the things that I've seen. Um, but like, like Derek said, man, it's gonna, What really happens in November is like we just gotta get out there. We gotta get out there, make our voices heard through our votes. Um, if all this is mute. If I, if we don't vote, you know what I mean, because we're gonna have the same person in the same well, seat doing the exact same thing, and um, and we'll be right back in the exact same situation. And so, but uh, I want to like we just gotta we just gotta make sure that we can get our voices heard through our vote. And as we go back to Derek before we go to the next person, it's not it's
0: not.
1: I, I see what you did there. It's not, it's not just November though. We gotta get out of that mind frame.
2: It's gotta be November and on. It's gotta yeah, be yeah. consistent action because that's where we've dropped in the past where we think it's just about voting in the presidential election, and it's not. Um, we all do yeah. more as a community, and I'm trying to figure out ways in which I can I can do more as well. I'm not saying necessarily, specifically us five, but you know, there's more that needs to be done Why if we're Not doing us it. five. Huh? Why not us? Five? Oh no, hey, us five as well, but I'm just you saying mean, I wasn't calling you five out specifically.
0: Five. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> I mean, Looks we Like come,
3: Voltron. We come here every week and
2: talk about some issues pretty much. So, I mean, we're a part of it, whether we like it or not. That's what we do. Um, right. But, you know, it, it, the progress that we want is on the table. Um, if we continue to carry the baton forward, there's a lot of good work that's being done out there, and we can add to it. And so, I, you know, I've been thinking about how we can add to it as well. I know y'all are uh, men of great thought and intellect as well, so I'm sure y'all have as well. Uh, I just want to make sure we don't lose this momentum, even past getting Donald Trump out of office, because he's not – He's a symptom. He's not the entirety of the issue. Um, There's still these out there that we have to eradicate and we won't do that if we get complacent and A, not vote, but even after voting, just think that now the problem is solved it will not be. Yeah. Good point.
4: Yeah, and Just kind of go off of what you were saying, Derek, actually, I actually was having a conversation yesterday with um, Cheyenne, Cheyenne, my wife. Um, we were kind of talking about the state of things and she had mentioned that she felt a little bad because she hadn't been able to go out to protest at all kind of felt like she was like, you know, not doing her part. But I kind of let her know that really for anybody feeling that way, you can do more than just protest actually be a part of the cause, part of the change. Um, one big thing I would say about going out there and vote, you know, that's probably the best thing you can do. Um, even just having dialogue, if not on a podcast, just with friends, people that you know about what's going on, talking about it, make sure it's still being talked about still in our minds as much as possible that's going to help us get out there. If you want to post on social media, you know, on your Facebook, Twitter, whatever, the, all these little small things that you think are like maybe minuscule are going to build some, something great. That's how we get to where we are right now. So anybody out there feeling like because they're not out there in protests, you know, face to face with police or whatever, no, that's fine. You can still do your part either from home or however else you want to do it as well. So just keep the faith. Um, we've come far, but we have still very far to go as well. Um, you know some people out there might be getting tired but we still have to get to fight up and keep going because you know we finally are getting that final push to kind of get where we we, we need to be. So
2: yeah I mean to Daniel's point, you know you can you can you can vote, you can have dialogue. There's a lot of ways to have dialogue. Um if you you know participate in your community elections, those are even more important because they set policy on policing and things of that nature, on law enforcement, on our judicial system. That happens all at the local level. We get all wrapped up in national level stuff. Uh, You can, you know, you can, you can, uh, you can help with various campaigns, whether that be calling on the phone, whether that be going door to door, you can do some of that stuff from your house. Um, So there's a lot of different ways you can donate. Maybe you don't have the time, but you have the money. You can donate to various projects, Black Lives Matter. You know, there's so many organizations out there doing a ton of good work. Um, campaign zero um, I read about the other day, which is a really good, uh, a really good um, a, a really good thing to, to donate to uh, because they're doing trying to get the work down of getting police brutality down to zero, um, which is the goal right? That's, that's optimal. Maybe we'll never reach it, but that's what we need to be striving for. So that, like, like Daniel said, there's so many ways that you can help um, whether it's sharing books that you've read on race or on police uh, brutality. That you read online, the podcast that you listen to, just you know, educating people. There's just various ways you can do it. It doesn't have to be just going out and protesting. Um, and obviously, you can do that as well. Um, so there's so many ways you can do that. And hopefully, we've illuminated some of those ways in which you can uh, help out and think about where you want to put your activism. Um, because everyone's an activist in their own way. It's just about what you're, you know, wh- where you're willing to put that time at. Mm. Um, so, anything else before I throw it to Austin because he's got someone to flame today? <laughs>
4: Let's do it. Right. Fire, fire up that grill, baby!
3: Before we get out of here, <laughs> and, and immediately goes to his computer. <laughs> I got to, on, I
2: got to. Before we get out of here, it's time for the greatest segment in, in the history of segment. Oh yeah, there it is. Ed's firing up the grill for his, his boy, Austin Brazina. Austin, I heard, uh, I heard uh, you have someone you uh, you're not, you're not a fan of, man. Who, who, uh, see, I'm not going to lie I forgot. It, uh, <laughs> that's
3: all right. All right, that's all right. Uh, I mean, it ties in. I was, it actually, it, it ties in what we were just talking about. Something I wanted to mention as far as protests go. And it ties into who I'm about to flame. Um, language is very important when it comes to protests and it comes to anti-protesting. Because there is anti-protesters. There's people out there trying to discredit protests. And if you look, like, here, here's what I recommend. You get all your friends that you know are against Black Lives Matter, against all this kind of stuff. And you just look at their posts, they say the same things because they're repeating what the other people have told them in much the same way that protesters repeat what they've heard as, as a rallying cry. You see anti-protesters say they're anti-rallying cry. The reason I say this is because one, it's just, it's important to know what your, your opponents are saying on a cause. Two, J.K. Rowling, the oh. author of the Harry Potter books.
1: Oh, right. It was J.K.
3: Decided to wander into transgender rights again. Oh, okay. She does this all the time, but she decided to do it again in the middle of all that's going on in pride month and everything else. Oh, Jesus. And she repeated a phrase that is repeated by people who want to discredit trans rights. And that is specifically to trans women. You can't say trans women when you're against trans women, you say for women or people who menstruate is the key word. Now that sounds like a weird delineation, but that's the important delineation because they're trying to tie it into biology. She retweeted because there was an issue going on. I apologize. I'm pulling it up right now. I didn't have it ready. She said coming on." people. Yeah, I'm sorry. It was the brightness, right? She said, people who menstruate, I'm sure there used to be a word for those people. Someone help me out. And then she proceeded to misspell women three different ways. One Wimpun woman. So basically she's saying like, I thought there used to be a term for these people who menstruate. She then went on to say, because everybody immediately jumped down her throat, uh, she then went on to say, if sex isn't real, then there's no same-sex attraction. Basically, in the middle of Pride Month, she says that if gender isn't a real thing, then gay people aren't a real thing. If sex isn't real, the lived reality of women globally is erased. I know and love trans people, but erasing the concept of sex removes the ability to meaningfully discuss their lives. It isn't hate to speak truth. And then she went on to say, I respect every trans person's right to live in any way that feels authentic and comfortable to them because she's trying to save face. So here, here's why this is important. Yeah, this is why this is important. So first of all, she, she's what's called a TERF, trans-exclusionary radical feminist. She's trying to be feminist. She's trying to push feminism, but only for true women is what she's trying to say. You know, whatever your feelings on it are, it's important to know the difference between between alienating and hate speech and what you're truly thinking and for her to parrot, what, what anti-trans people are saying is pretty telling that, that she doesn't stand with the people that she's claiming to stand with. And this is important. Uh, you know, it's just, it is what it is. It's, it's disappointing. We already knew this is how she was cause she said some wild things in the past, but for her to just beat this dead horse, it, it's like, all right, you, you gotta, you gotta quit this shit right now. And then as a side note for that, Harry Potter, was born into a rich family and pursued a career as a magical policeman. What the fuck? (laughs) 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 That's what J.K. Rowley wrote. That's J.K. Yeah. Rowling's truth. You go through all these books, you see all the political activism that Hermione does in the book. It's played up for laughs. If you read these books, she is, rev- like, she is considered by her best friends and everybody else that's involved in this magic school. as like, ah, here she goes again about goblin rights. Ah, here she goes about the caste system. Ah, all this kind of shit. She's played for laughs. This is what J.K. Rowling truly thinks. I love Harry Potter as a work of fiction. It is what it is. It, it, it changed the world. It, it is what it is. But J.K. Rowling, you named the character Cho Chang. I mean,
0: <laughs> you can't, uh, you still you can't had do this, episodes, right? Where
2: it's like it's like <laughs> Dumbledore, McGonagall, yeah. and then you come up for, for
0: for an Asian was Cho Chang. Cho Chang.
3: <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you know, in the middle of Pride Month, nah,
0: <laughs>
3: this, ain't, this ain't happening.
2: To, to tie it in back, honestly, to tie it back into what we've been talking about. Not that it was, not that you straight off course or anything, but like. In a, in, a, in a year where black people are, are dying left and right, where we know that uh, trans uh, African-American people who are trans get killed at a clip that is ridiculous, um, and continue to get killed at a clip that is ridiculous. To have those statements made at this time is even more ridiculous, because we know the, uh, the violence that is in the trans community in general, but specifically for trans people of color. Um, the violence that they endure just for merely existing, and so to to add to that during this time, during any time, frankly, but specifically during this time as well, is just it's a it's ridiculous. It's not knowing the moment, it's not meeting the moment, and it you know throw her in. Actually, she's worse than Drew Brees because she's not even going to apologize, right? She didn't even apologize for what she said. Oh, no, she, she,
3: she just said tried to she specifically said it's not it's not hateful to speak truth.
2: Right. So, like, gee, even below Drew Brees. And, you know, it just – it hurts, man, because just what that community goes through already, to have someone that prominent also throwing, throwing you know, more hate their way and and riling up the people who are – who do feel justified in in killing them indiscriminately, it's ridiculous. And you can't be stand for it. Obviously, she's not our king for a reason. And so, you know. Just to add to that, I just wanted to throw that in as well.
3: I love when literary people have beef, too, because, like, I read one review of, of, like, what was going on. The person was like, if you're looking for summer reading, Percy Jackson is not a transphobe. <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> I'm like, ooh.
1: Percy <laughs> Jackson's awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. they very, Percy, don't mess it up for me, bro.
5: Don't, <laughs> <laughs> don't mess it up for me, man.
4: <laughs> What's even funny, though, is the people getting out now are kind of the, the fans that were kids at the time when she first wrote the books kind of made her so popular and stuff, and now we didn't catch it when we were, like, younger. Now I got oh, like, oh, yeah. you've been kind of crazy since the get-go, huh? You've been kind of sexist and <laughs> racist since the very beginning. We never saw it. Yep. So it's like of, I said, it, it, it's I respect it as a work of, of fiction. Yeah, but. All right, but yeah. well,
3: well uh, <laughs> I think
2: that's going to do it for the weekend to take. We're back. Back, baby. Episode it every is. week, right? Let's get it. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so for our guest, thank you for joining us today, Blanco. Ed White the
3: Third. <laughs> How many times have you done know that? that? <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's that's going to be my, my signature. <laughs> there you go. Now they can hear it. Thank you, Ed, for joining us, uh, as well as my boy, Daniel Davidson. Yeller. Austin Brazina. Yo.
5: Terrell Huff. That's me and Poppy. Indeed, sir. Indeed, sir. Indubitably. Yeah. <laughs> Lewis. The, nah, third, the third baby. Hey, Terrell, Thomas hit him with the in background too. Don't forget my
3: What's
5: up? There hey, little one. Background. Yeah. You see him, he back the there. Official, the unofficial the unofficial guest of the podcast, the Thomas Huff. <laughs> Terrell, hit him with that for baby. The weekend it take y'all. Because the weekends the sports do dope. Man. <laughs>